Who pays for this? You know, big poop. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Walk on, smoke on. I should probably try it. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. Bowl after bowl. Bowl, bowl, bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl.com. That's a dumb place to keep bowls. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 Yes, yes, and yes. You guessed it. It's Tuesday. Another token Tuesday. And you're in the bowl right where you ought to be. With me, Sir Spencer, Wolfkin City. And me, Dame DeLorean. On this beautiful December night, December 7th, 2021, it's episode 119 of Bowl After Bowl. 119. 119. We made it. How you like them apples, huh? I like them. I like them a lot. Keep stacking them. Keep stacking the bowls, man. Stacking the bowls and stacking sats. That's right. We're stacking whatever we can stack, really. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to um, really wiggle down this Motu, man. I was going to say, how's that mic level? Yeah, I'm not it's really... It's looking uh, a little quiet. <laughs> I'm going to lift it up a bit. Lift it you up. You raise me up. We're doing it live. Doing it live. The Motu, man, it's a, it's a fickle, uh, fickle companion. No doubt about that. Yes. I swear I sound different this week, even though I changed nothing. It's the the Motu making you sound new. Yeah, I don't know about it. I don't know about it. But what can you do, man? Just going to go up and down on these uh, levels? What can we do? What can we really do? Just keep trying. Like we did last Friday when we had Lavish back in the bowl for another Bowls with Buds. That's right. Yes. Thanks again, Lavish, for your patience while we... uh, Jiggled the handle. Yeah, on that the was Motu. some. That was some real Motu blues. That could have been a whole show by itself, but uh, everybody would have just sent me very angry hate mail <laughs> for putting that anywhere. Hate boosts. Hate boosts. Hate mail. I apologize, everybody had to listen to that live while well, we figured it out. But we didn't figure it out. We didn't give up. No, that's the key. Never give up. Never give up. Never, Never surrender. surrender. That's right. <laughs> Correct. And tomorrow we have another bud joining us in the bowl, Phone Boy. Phone Boy will be with us. That's Woo! right. Psyched. It's awesome. It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be lit. And I do have one Phone Boy drop. Do you know how bad you sound? We do. Yeah, with this Motu thingy. We, 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 we're aware. We're working on it. We're working on it here. We're working on it. But, you know, there's this thing called Tuesday night. It rolls around and uh, Tuesday does not give a shit. Whether you're ready or not, whether you've worked on it or not, whether you're done working on it or not, Tuesday knows that uh, you're just going to go with it. And that's what we're doing. We're just going with it. And before we go with it too deep, we always like to thank people up front for helping us produce this Value for Value podcast. A Value for Value podcast. That just means, you know, 
we put it out there up front. We don't want no ad reads. We don't want no paywalls. We don't want no sponsored content. We don't want no bonus content only for our subscribers. None of that. We do what we do because we love you and we put it out there. And we try to put value into what we do. We put it in there so that you'll like it, so that you'll listen to it, so that you love it. And all that we ask in return is, if you've been listening to the show, if you get something out of it, try to figure out what that is. What is the, What do you get out of that? What is it, a, a DVD rental worth of entertainment? What is it, a magazine subscription worth of information? What is it uh, worth to you? And put, the, put a number on it. Send it back to the bowl. You can do it through PayPal. You can do it through streaming sats, which is a fun uh, thing that we've been doing lately. Uh, newpodcastapps.com will get you all the podcast apps that can stream sats. Just look for one that says value next to it and put some Satoshis in there. It's on sale, guys. Buy the dip. Good sale going on right now, so you can load up your wallet and start boostagramming, streaming sats, all that good stuff. We did check the node earlier, and uh, it's kind of like last week. There was boosts and no grams, which is cool. Uh, lots of 420 boosts for Lavish's episode. Hey, 420 boosts. Which I appreciate. Appreciate it very much. Um, we also have some PayPal donors to thank. So let's get into that right now. All right. We have uh, Sir Chris Vox checking in. Woo! Chris Vox. And that's literally his note. Sir Chris Vox checking in. Hey. Uh, thank you for your courage. Yeah, thank you. Oh, is it Vox or Vox? Never oh. heard it said out loud, but I know he's a vocalist. Vox would make more sense. And you say Vox, it? maybe? Vox? I don't know. It always gets me. That kind of thing always gets me. Uh, who else we got? We got, oh, Phoenix coming in. Phoenix. As well. Phoenix has $20 Roonies. And she says, first, I need to ask for health karma, as my mom is in the hospital with pneumonia and the coof. Double oh, no. duty. Oh, man. So uh, let me see what I have for health karma. Oh, I think I have, uh, I think I have some health karma right here. I'm going to give you this joint, nigga. And then, uh, second, I'd like to invite the bowlers to check out the pilot episode of The Lotus Podcast with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Woo! In the bowl, love y'all. Aw, we love you. Very nice. Cool. And excited to talk to Phone Boy about that tomorrow. Yeah, we'll be getting into it, asking him all of the details. It's exciting stuff. Exciting stuff going on in the community. Wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you love it? You love it. Always loving it. Yes, yes. Um, I forgot to mention while we were talking with Lavish. We talked about it a little bit on the post show. But that art that you made for Lavish was fantastic. Oh, thanks, dude. It's gripping. Gripping. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. It's um, kind of a change from our regular color scheme and the look and everything, but kind of an homage to his, like, uh, radioactive clown avatar on, on No Agenda Social. Yeah, yeah. I went with that uh, Sex Pistols yellow and hot pink. You know, matching that hazmat suit and the pink clown hair. Yeah, it was delightful. Yes. I just I just wanted to say that on record. Another adventure in clown world. Well, I appreciate it. Actually, on something that, uh, something that goes out on the RSS feed. Yeah. Man, if you weren't tuned into the post show, you missed out. 
You guys are missing some shit. You missed some shit, as Lavish said. Yeah, yeah, some shit was missed by you guys. That's all right. But it's uh, that might be the first post show where it was four twenty in the morning before we were like, oh, you know, you should probably go to bed. Yeah, maybe we should go to bed. That's the thing when you get a East Coaster on and you're talking to them and they're like West Coaster. West mean? Coaster. That's exactly what I meant. Why did I say East Coaster? When you get a West Coaster on, they're in Pacific time, and it's like you can still feel their energy because it's like two hours earlier there. That's right. And so you're like, oh, yeah, I'm still going. They're still going. I'm still going. Left coaster. My compass is smashed on the floor here. So, Well, sending health karma out to Phoenix's mom. Uh, sending some out to Net Ned, too. I know he wasn't feeling well. Yeah, Boob said he isn't feeling uh, 100% yet quite. Yep. Booberry. Speaking of uh, Booberry and Lavish and uh, Kirkass, congrats, guys, on the on that awesome Sunday show. Yeah. Following up No Agenda, that was pretty cool. That was very cool. Post-show live. It's nice to kind of show the NA community um, all the different stuff that's going on because it's not really apparent, you know, unless you're, like, always in the troll room and you're, like, really engaged and, like, just always in the inner circle kind of thing. You were always hanging out in the got IRC the or you always got the stream on. And it's not, you know, you got to think of how many people listen to the No Agenda and then what small sliver of that um, kind of is in the what the the second layer or whatever this is that we call it. I don't know. You're like the, the community. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. It's really cool to see that showcased. And... Um, Next next week is going to be the Hogs, right? I believe so, the yeah. The Hogaroos doing a live call-in show, so that should be fan-frickin-tastic. Don't want to miss it. I'll definitely be calling in. Calling in. Running that clock. Running that clock. Um, I did also have a make good, and I forgot to write it down, but I just, thank God, remembered it off the top of my mind. Um, I got this in the emails. For last week, you remember that we talk about, um, and by the way, for those guys who might be new to the format, every week we do a uh, first time I ever topic, first time I ever did a thing. Last week's happened to be first time I ever quit a job like a boss, and uh, one of our one of our friends made a little recording and emailed it to me, and I was too stupid to see it until it was too late, so I'm going to try and play that for you, and... Uh, when you know it's going to not play for me. Well, I'm going to have to reroute it. That's all right. I figured you might play it at the end with all the other voicemails. Because retroactive voicemails are always welcome. Well, is one thing you can do is do a retroactive voicemail. But I do love uh, just making the make goods right up out of the gate. Making the make goods. Just something, you know, something I like to do to keep fresh on. So... This is fresh from my email box. Hello, Dame DeLorean and Sir Spencer. Hello. This is Chris from Connecticut. I met you guys through podcastindex.social and have had some great interactions with you there. And I figured I would share my story about the first job that I quit here in the bowl, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, I worked for a grocery store an independent grocer association or IGA store. Remember when those were a big thing? Well, anyway, I walk in one day, the general manager pulls me aside and says, yeah, just to let you know your, your boss, the guy in charge of the deli got fired today. And I said, Oh, well that sucks. Uh, who is going to be replacing him? And he said, we don't know. Okay, cool. So Charlie was a great guy. That was my boss. And I, I really loved working for him. So I was kind of bummed out and I proceed to go to my 
normal shift. I go in the back. I go to the, uh, you know, the prep area, the kitchen, so to speak, to prep for my shift. And my coworker walks in. She's like, you heard about Charlie, right? I said, yeah, yeah, I heard about him. And she's like, you know who's replacing him? I'm like, no, they said they don't know who's replacing him. And she told me who she found out was replacing him. And it was a woman who had just quit a couple of weeks ago and or a couple of weeks prior to that, rather, and would halfway do jobs, but then leave the rest for everyone else to do, would steal from the, the deli. In fact, giving herself a quote unquote deli discount on uh. meat and stuff like that, uh, <laughs> ringing it up at a lower price than she should and just was an all around bad person to work with. So that night, right then and there, I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm quitting. Big notes. So I crossed out my name on the schedule. I wrote down with the other person's name, Long Live Charlie. And I actually super glued <laughs> a picture of Charlie that was in the back to the meat freezer in the back or the meat cooler in the back. Evidently, the general manager did not take well to that and actually wanted to hold my last paycheck so that he could talk to me about my attitude or whatever. But... Unfortunately, I had direct deposit, so he couldn't stop it. Oh, nice. <laughs> anyway, that's my first quitting a job story. Glad to have discovered your podcast and hope you have a great rest of the evening. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Like a boss quitting that job. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Yep, just like a boss quitting that job. Also, should plug Chris has a podcast. Also, oral malpractice. That's right. A U R A L malpractice yeah check it out checking it out man checking it out you gotta check it out lots of friends in the bowl man so yeah i had to I had to make good on that this week though the first time i ever topic is the first time i ever blacked out and remembered nothing about the first time i ever blacked out and if you would like to weigh in all you gotta do it's the easiest way that we know of to contribute value uh you just pick up your phone and call 816 that's right we play them all uh when we're well behind the curtain there after the uh bud stories so let us know let us know uh your blacked out story, mostly probably told to you by other people. Because even though you're there for those, you're not quite there for those. Oh, man. You know, I've been telling Lorian that uh need to come up with, like, a more comprehensive and better structured, like, donor thank you segment. Especially since it's right out of the gate. I've been, you know, we do pretty much the same thing every time. But sometimes I skip little sections or chunks or my notes aren't really perfect. Um, so I just want that a little tightened down. And I was working today on recoding some of the websites. I'm taking like the first steps. Um, That's a step in the right direction. Oh, no, it is. It's a step in the right direction after all. Um, but I was carving out the value for value page and I really want that to be like everything all at once so that maybe I can take a little pieces, little snippets out um, on the show and talk about them. I don't have to like mention every single thing and I can just point everybody there. I want it to be a place where we can just teach everybody and learn about everything uh, or learn about nothing, you know, as much, as much or as little as you want. 
put everything behind like accordions so it's not like all in your face at once, but if you click it, you can reveal more stuff and read about as much as you want. I just kind of want a place like that where, you know, you can send people who just don't get it yet or who aren't read in or who haven't been listening for years and already know the drill, you know. Um, that's kind of the That's kind of the goal. That's kind of the dream for me. Uh, just a common retard because I find that a lot of this stuff is just not super accessible or obvious. Um, the value for value explanation? Well, the value for value is kind of like the first step, but then like any of the coding stuff or any of the pod 2.0 stuff or even starting a podcast in general oh. or like um, getting value connected, starting a node, uh, kind of leads into the whole... Opting! Opting! They do have, I do have some on-chain, off-chain uh, shit stains to talk about. And no, I'm sorry, you guys. It's not, uh, it's not about the 500k Ring of Fire yet. Yet. Because I'm still chatting with people. There's a couple that just were like not interested. Um, but if you are interested, send me an email. Spencer at bullafterbull.com. Channels and fees are cheap right now, relatively. We're in a little discount period. Mm. Okay, so uh, if you want to get a 500,000 sat, cha- 500, sat channel open and get a bonus one open to you, by the way, just for participating, uh, it's never, um, never a bad idea to do it during a dip like this. But now, what I'm talking about is... I was playing a little bit with Dave Jones' new toy, Helipad. So Helipad is a program he wrote, which uh, Adam Curry's been using, and I've heard it, and I've uh, seen some screen caps that looks nice. Basically watches your node through a browser and gives you a notification and some uh, little UI of where your boostograms come in and where it comes from. Um, oh, beautiful. Circus Media. We might have five out of six now for the uh, for the Ring of Fire. Woohoo! Uh, shoot me an email just to remind me, but I'm writing you down. Anyway, so this helipad thing, um, if you heard the last podcast in 2.0, he talks about, um, he wrote it primarily as an uh, Umbral app. It was kind of like the drive and the, you know, his, his core audience. He wrote it for Umbral specifically, but he also wrote it to work on anything in theory. And it's a it's a Rust app. I've never used Rust or programmed in Rust or, uh, I mean, I may have used Rust without knowing it because you know sometimes you just are using applications and you're not really aware of what they're written in. You're just using them, right? Um, so he submitted that to the Umbral store. I want to say like three days ago or something. Um, three or four days ago, uh, mid to late last week. So I don't know what the Umbral approval process is in. But if you run an Umbral node, like Lorian does, soon that will be available just one click install yeah. from the Umbral store. Just click the app. Which I'm I'm <laughs> really kind of jealous of that aspect of it, but I'm also kind of on a speed mission. I want to be able to run that on my Raspberry Blitz before it hits the Umbral store. Just to check it out and get it going and and he uh on the show last Friday, he said that basically you should be able to run it on a Raspy Blitz or any other node. Uh, just clone the package, uh, put your TLS sort of, uh, 
your T- your TLS certificate and your admin macaroon in that uh, directory, just in the main directory, and then, uh, you know, that's all you would need, basically, was the explanation on the podcast, right? Oh. So I cloned his repo from GitHub into the home folder of my Raspberry Blitz, and he said it would look for those two, it would look for the macaroon in the cert in a couple of different places, but if it couldn't find it, it would fall back and look in that um, main repo. So I let it do its thing. It couldn't find them. So then I mm. exported my macaroon, exported my TL cert, uh, TLS cert, and then put them in that main uh, repository. It found them. It stopped breaking and started compiling. Um, but really, I guess I'm skipping apart. What wasn't obvious to me is I need to install Rust to get the thing to work at all, to get the thing to build and compile. And this is what I was talking about earlier with uh, documentation and sort of my goal as uh, a guy who really came to programming from more of a background of design and a little bit of journalism right and writing. Um, every fucking thing that I've found in coding, whether it's documentation... Uh, and there's a few exceptions that prove the rules, but most shit, when you're looking at a GitHub folder, when you're looking at a, and uh, actually C-Dubs posted the GitHub of Helipad, it's a great example, and um, and this isn't disparage any programmers, it's just pointing out how a programmer thinks versus how, a, let's say, a non-programmer or even a beginning programmer might think. For me, I come to the Helipad page, it tells me, you know, three little lines about uh, what Helipad does. It pulls the node for invoices relating to Podcasting 2.0. It displays them in a web interface. Pretty simple. Uh, it's intended to run as a Dockerized Umbral app, but can also be run standalone, which is what I'm interested in for my Raspi Blitz. Uh, runs as a single process web server with the LND puller running as a separate thread. Invoices are checked for every nine seconds, parsed, and then stored locally in a SQLite database. The main web server thread then serves them to the clients over HTTP and or HTTPS, and you get a little pew, pew, pew sound uh, if you get it. And so then here, step one in the readme is after compiling, you start the binary like this, uh, dot slash helipad 8080. Okay, great. Awesome. Okay. So I knew how to clone it. I pulled it down and cloned it, and then I'm like trying to run this dot slash helipad 8080. I'm looking for... Uh, poor 8080 on my raspy blitz. I'm doing all this different shit because I don't understand nothing. And I think that uh, programmers, a lot of times, they just get into this mode where they're like, okay, it's written in Rust because you see that on the right here. And then I said after compiling, so a good programmer would go to the Rust documentation at that point. Like, if you don't know anything about Rust or have never downloaded it, you should find that out in the Rust documentation. Good luck, which I think, I think with a really great program, ever all the documentation should be written so that you can go, maybe not like a hundred percent, but most of the steps, like just like if I know nothing about programming, I can learn all the different dependencies I need to install your thing through your README, and I started documenting in Markdown, all of the steps that I've taken so far, and then it's, like, super redundant. It's, like, 
I go step by step through how to SSH into your own Raspi Blitz as an admin, which probably if you're trying to install this, you already know. But I don't care. Like, it's that kind of thing. Like, I don't want to assume you already know this. I don't want to assume you already know that. Because when I'm looking at a README, I'm like, I don't, I don't know hardly anything. And now i got to search all this different stuff out. i got to find it. Um, now, it turns out we still don't really... I don't still 100% know how to get this built and compiled. I'm hitting a error. And so if anybody's uh, familiar who has messed around with the Raspi Blitz or maybe just Debian in general, because um, I, I installed Rust okay, I set up my environment okay, uh, started compiling and it got like, there's like 280 different steps and it got to like 270 something, like real close mm. to the finish line. And then it fails out. Um, it says like no such file. It's not seeing a file, even though the path, uh, the file that it says it can't see, the path to it looks like it's correct. So I'm not sure why it's not able to open it. Um, and then there's also this thing of there's multiple users on a Raspi Blitz. You've got your admin, you've got your Bitcoin users, a couple other users. So I install. I tried to install Rust for the Bitcoin user because when I looked at the Raspi Blitz documentation, I'm like, what else uses Rust at all? I'm like looking, I'm searching for Rust up in the whole repo. And there's like two different scripts that reference Rust. And one of them is like install Rust for the Bitcoin user. So I tried that, but it didn't really help. It's kind of a little bit of a of a spiral, little circle, little cluster. Um, but that's that's the beauty of what I want to tackle is I love just keeping on slamming into these brick walls, tackling things I don't understand over and over until uh, at the end, this is the crazy thing about these kind of struggles or like running a node or anything like this. At the end, I bash a little hole into the brick wall enough to get the thing working or running. But as far as like an overall understanding, I don't necessarily think I can claim that. I just, mm. uh, there's a point where with enough effort you can make the goddamn thing work. But then I want to come back and in Markdown, Markdown is like a simple language. It's what readmes are written in is, is Markdown. So that's what gives it like the headings and you can make it styled so it's obvious that there's code going on, like these little command line codes. Um, and you can go a lot deeper too, with photos, screenshots, this kind of thing. So that's what I want to do is write all of these different guides and tutorials in uh, Markdown so that maybe this stuff is a little bit more accessible and you don't necessarily have to know a bunch of other shit in order to play along. That seems like a job in and of itself. I think so, and and it's definitely not the job of a lot of the programmers, especially guys who have a lot of experience. I can already, I can already understand. It's like, yo, I've got 12, 14, 16 other coding projects. I don't have time to hold everybody's hand to get them up to speed with baby's first year of pro, you know junior programming learning shit. Right. Which is great because that's what I do. I do have not only the time but the motivation to do that. So that's kind of what I want to be doing. Um, I've spent a year, kind of around on the outs on the outer circle of this podcasting two point thing, like watching, listening, kind of unhelpfully offering what little I can in in terms of programming because it's like I don't really have a lot that I can offer in programming right yet. Um, I'm still just learning like the dumbass website. Like I got to, I got to redo the re website and react, you know, 
these little chunks I can bite off, but as far as like actually building something out, uh, anything more specific, it's going to take time, you know, but what I definitely can do is bridge this other gap between a total outsider and being able to just use the tools, being able to get in there and just step by step by step. Uh, if you've never messed with any of this stuff, you can still get it up and running on your machine. Yeah, just follow the simple directions. Just steps and stuff, yeah. That's my thought, anyway. That's my thought. Well, that would be cool. Um, uh, personally, I can't wait until it is an Umbral app that I can just quickly install and click dude, the button. I know, that's going to be so <laughs> slick uh, for the Umbral users. And see, that's another thing about um, Umbral. You know, you can, you can turn your nose up about, uh, oh, it's a walled garden with the App Store. But it's kind of nice, like... All of these apps, they're easy to install, they work out of the box, and they've been, you know, vetted by the Umbral guys to be like, oh, this is something that works and it's good. So, I don't, you know, there's always trade-offs with uh, what tools you're going to what tools you're going to pick and the most hardcore coders are going to want to build their own. They're not even going to want to use another image like Raspy Blitz or whatever, you know, mm. they want to want to build their whole thing from scratch. So, I don't know. This is my note in all caps. We need better docs. We need better docs, man. Better docs. Uh, Sphinx. I also have some updates on Sphinx, the Sphinx tribe. So for like a month and a half, I've been bugging Paul uh, about trying to switch the admin for our Sphinx tribe. Because when I set up the Sphinx tribe, that was back when we only had the voltage node. And I set up the tribe under the voltage node. Voltage node runs out at the end of the month, and I'm not going to renew it just because it served its purpose. And we have two home nodes now, and we just don't need three nodes. So I don't need to keep paying that subscription for the other node when I run two of my own. Uh, well, we collectively run two of our own. Um, I just think of it as two, you know. But I've been well, very I actually. Well, I named mine bull after bull also, so. Right. It is. It, it, the, the thing that I've been careful to do is. If I need anything off of your node or if I need something accessed on your node, like I make you do I it. I do all the I work. basically yeah. I treat it as though it's something I can't access so that So that I'm forced to learn. Well, you're forced <laughs> to learn and I'm also forced to like communicate about it better because Yeah. A lot of the everybody else's node, everybody else who's a podcaster I'm telling to get nodes. Like I'm not gonna be able to log in and just do stuff for them. Right. right? I shouldn't be doing it for you either. Um, and that's why I have it. I, I, I sometimes go in there and just look at stuff, look at invoices, but I haven't installed a single thing. I didn't set it up, and I don't uh, tweak preference. I don't do anything to it. I, like, ask you to do stuff to it, which has been good. I think it's been helpful for both of us. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, the Sphinx Tribe. So that's admin by the the voltage node, which is going away. We want to have it admin by one of the home nodes. I'm not sure which one yet. I don't know which one would be smarter. It feels like the Raspy just because it's better connected right now, but um, I don't know. I'll have some discussions still about it, but uh, I'm going to start a new tribe from one of those uh, nodes tomorrow, a new bowl after bowl tribe. Now, the join fee for the tribe was 420 sats, and... Since everybody who's already in the tribe has paid that join fee, when I start the new tribe, 
I want to have everybody able to make the jump over there without paying the 420 sats again. Now, 420 sats is not like, I don't know, it's like a little more than a quarter or something. So it's not like a huge barrier to entry, but at the same time... Yeah, when you've already joined once. Right, well, this is a sats thing. And the idea is to join and then, you know, boost more sats and boost sats to each other and get boosted yourself by making clever pictures or statements or whatever you know it's a, it's a little environment in there but it's kind of cooled off and quieted off and i kind of want to put a little bit more energy back into it but uh um that will be going on i'm going to try and launch it tomorrow evening and uh for the f um i think until christmas uh we'll have no join fee for that so i'm going to be encouraging everybody to move over and then both of those will be active until Right about a week before, uh, so at, at Christmas, there will be like one week left on the Voltage node. Sure. I'm going to kill all the channels, move all of the coin out of there, uh, delete the tribe, clean it all up just so that everything's good to go before it actually expires all the way. And then, yeah, we'll be off of the Voltage and uh, hopefully uh, have the Sphinx tribe back up and rocking again. They really got the Sphinx tribe rocking. Yeah, it'll be rocking in the meantime, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Always we, rocking we, in the Sphinx tribe. We over there chatting and stuff. Chatting it up. Need to think of another... We probably should coordinate a Christmas contest. Let's brainstorm after the show, too. About, okay. Uh, it'd be cool to have a little contest to kind of encourage people to get, get over there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's my uh, cocaine shit stain news. Cool. For you. Sounds good. Just thinking a lot, coding, uh, a lot for me, but not really a lot for people who actually code. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, but that's how what you got to do to learn. All docs, baby. It's all about the docs. Should be should be able to find how do I do it from start to be start to end all in one place. That's my dream, and that's that's what I want to like. I feel like that's an actual place where I could contribute. You know. Yeah. At least for now. It makes sense. Get in the car and drive. And then, you know, teach others how to drive it from your experience. Well, magic number sightings all around this week. I mean, what week are the magic numbers not popping up? But um, I saw there was a bricklayer in England who was jailed for 33 months for intercepting almost $19,000 worth of weed at his home. So, uh, you know. They caught it in the mail and followed it to him. Found out he was slinging coke and weed, so not just weed. Damn. Um, but he had kept a handwritten ledger with everyone's names and deals and debts, of course. Uh, and then those matched up perfectly to his bank account. So he got pretty much screwed on the whole thing, you know. 33 months. Uh, dude's like in his 20s. And... <laughs> He had made this statement, I guess in court, uh, about how he made about two grand a month selling weed, but was in debt because of his cocaine habits. Dang. So, you know, don't get high on your own supply. That's right. Just can't be doing that. And that was, and a, it, that was kind of the whole moral of the story if you watch uh, Blow. Oh. Yeah, that's was, a rough uh, one. Just, just stick with the bud. Just, just stick with the bud. It all went to. It was like all fun and games, literally. Oh yeah, they're until, flying and until they got into coke, and then it was just like 
fucked. Mm. You know what else was fucked? A uh, man from New Hampshire uh, who threatened members of Congress over the telephone got 33 months in federal prison also. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, I guess it, this was back in December 2020, and he called and left voicemails on their office phones and threatened to hang any lawmakers who didn't back Trump. <laughs> or so the story goes. Yeah. Sure. Um, but he left his name and his telephone number in those voicemails, so he was very easy to track down. He also sent an email with a death threat in it, so it's all written out and just spelled out in plain English for everyone. Um, so when investigators approached him, he originally fled to Brazil, but he came back, and now he's got to do the time Dang. for his crime. Yeah. The crime of talking shit. Yeah, talk shit, get hit with I, the penalties. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, don't start no shit, won't be no shit. That's right. I think this might have been mentioned on No Agenda, uh, but 33 people were arrested outside of the Supreme Court during the Roe v. Wade hearings. And that was just for blocking traffic. No other reason. Just, oh, you're blocking traffic. Hop in the paddy wagon. So I kind of grazed over that one. But uh, my final story to wrap out this segment, I saw that a woman by the name of Leah Newman, who is the daughter of a a Hollywood dude named Robert Newman. He was an actor. He was an agent. Um, she just died at the age of 33. And it was due to postpartum complications. But she was... She gave birth in the hospital, and she was still in the hospital when she died at a Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. And I don't know a lot about postpartum death. I mean, I know a good bit about complications that happen, but I personally don't know anyone who's died of postpartum complications. Never mind being in a hospital where emergency services should be available to mm. you, right, to prevent death from happening. I guess. Um, I mean, for me, it's just like the main story I hear with postpartum complications is hemorrhaging. So it's like, oh, you're losing a lot of blood. You have a fever. And, you know, there's remedies for that at the hospital. So this one kind of made me raise an eyebrow. Not sure what's going on there. Weirdness. Yeah. A little sketchy. A little sketchy. But, hey, every day people die, I guess. That's true. And, uh, yep, still going on with the COOF thing. There were 33 deaths in Charleston, South Carolina. <coughs> Oh, shit. Arizona, Bangkok, and Montana. Mm. They're up in these numbers. Uh, 33 new cases reported in London and Wichita County, Texas. And then some good news. There were 33 recoveries reported in Norfolk, Canada. Okay. And uh, But that went along a story from Canada about 33 outbreaks declared in elementary schools. Mm. Majority in Peel Elementary Schools. In India, there were 33 students who tested positive, and a 33-year-old became the fourth person in India to have this new variant everyone's talking about. Uh, I also saw that Singapore has used its fake news law 33 times to date. 19 of its uses were for COVID-1984 misinformation, of course. I was kind of surprised it wasn't the whole 33. <laughs> 
Can you imagine that? A fake news law where the government gets to tell you that your news is fake and what they say is ultimate truth. Sounds about right. <laughs> it sure does. Um, and that was it for my magic number sightings this week. Yeah. All those pinging, ping, ping, ping. I feel it. I sense it. We the magic the number is around. You, the pings in your ears pick up and you're like, whoo, what? Yeah. I feel it. On the other side of the globe, 33. <laughs> 33 people did something. <laughs> yeah, they did something. You figure out what. Oh, did you see the story about the mom who says her son was vaccinated against her will? Um, he goes to a Los Angeles school and they bribed him with pizza. So, like, hmm. we're seeing child pizza California vaccination in one uh, headline. It was, it was almost too much for me. Yikes. Man. I was like, holy mackerel. Yeah, but uh, Los Angeles Unified School District, the second largest in the United States. Any kid 12 or older must have the jabs. All of them. And he didn't have any of them. So, I guess the school nurse, you know, said, hey, I'll give you some pizza if you get the jab but don't tell your mom because i don't want to get in trouble what the fuck? Or at least that's what he told his mom she said and uh yeah he goes to the barack obama global prep academy what in south la i was like "Ooh, lady so you're sending your kid there but you don't want to give him the jab i don't know what you're <laughs> expecting to happen this is yeah. the barry obama global prep academy you can't escape it. You can't escape it there, I don't think. You can't. You can't. But they did mention in this article, uh, which will be in the show notes, that enrollment has dropped by more than 6% this year yeah, following the mandates. Yeah. You got these dumbass rules where it's like, you got to do this or you can't come here. Like, okay. Yeah, and I have no interest in going there, I, guess I'm not I would say. Go there, yeah. Yeah. But imagine that. Jabbing a kid. Like, they don't have... The, uh, dare I say, mental capacity to make their own health choices and health decisions, you know, they're still under a caretaker. They're still under a parent or guardian. Right. You can't just do this stuff. To me, that's like, that's criminal activity right there. Doing something to someone's kid. Mm -hmm. You're out of your effing mind. So we'll see how this plays out. You know, it's all allegations right now. Nothing's been proven in a court of law or anything, but ugh. The district there follows a program called the Safe Schools to Safe Steps Incentive Program. So I wonder if they were able to buy a pizza with money from that program <laughs> to <laughs> convince the kid to get a shot while he's in school. Yikes. Uh-oh. That's honestly one of my worst nightmares. I never liked shots, never liked needles, and... uh I don't think my school ever had any sort of pop-ups with needles and stuff, but I remember watching footage from the 50s or 60s where high schoolers were, like, lined up to get some vaccination. And I always thought, man, if a school nurse tried to jab me with anything, I'd be freaking out of here. Yeah. No way, Jose. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Do not like needles. People are just like, well, this is normal. This is regular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what else is not regular is uh, Pfizer trying to release their documents uh, 55 years from now, you know. Right. So Representative Ralph Norman of South Carolina has introduced a bill I saw on the Defender this week, which would force the FDA to release the Pfizer documents in 100 days. That's cool. I don't normally announce bills because, of course, it's like, oh, 
probably not going to go anywhere. But I think that was a cool move, you know, a cool political stance. Try to force some hands, you know. It would be nice. It would be nice. Uh, He had a quote in the article. After all, the FDA managed to consider all 329,000 pages of data and grant emergency approval of the Pfizer vaccine within just 108 days, so it's hard to rationalize why it now needs to be 55 years to fully release that information to the public. That's a lot of pages to be read. Yeah. I have my doubts. Anyone read them? Well, it's, it's a, the only emergency is it's an emergency for you to take the product. It's not yeah. an emergency for them to tell you why it's a good idea. It's not an emergency for any other thing. The sales. They got to make their sales. It's just an emergency for you to get the jab in your arm. Just go get it. Just do it. Just get the needle in you. It's just wild seeing that like across the pond, they're on their fourth boosters in some places, you know. Yeah, it's like the boosters already come and gone and... They're on the next one. It's just like, you guys, come on. It's never going to stop. This is going to keep going. This is going to keep going. But wouldn't you think they're going to lose more and more people along the way? I don't I mean, yes. I am proud. That's of- the thing. It's like, did you motherfuckers ever read the Sneetches when you were a little kid? Like, No. I didn't. <laughs> it's a whole societal separation story. Where like, you know, you got some Sneetches. Then one day this guy shows up saying, oh, well, you know. You got some star-bellied sneeches, and those guys are better than no star-bellies sneeches. But this guy, he's like, "I'll I'll put a bell, I'll put a star on your belly, ba-boom, and then you got a star." Oh. And then there's like, oh no, now no belly is better, no star. Yeah. They so just then they got a star remover. And then all of a sudden, these guys are going crazy, getting stars on off. People got like eight stars. People got like hundred stars. <laughs> this whole separation of society. To where, at the very end, everybody's so fucking confused and crazy. There's like, people have been starred and star removed and starred again, and and nobody's you know nobody's pure. Nobody's like, just the regular how they were at the beginning. It's kind of this is. It's like everybody's, everybody got the two shot. A lot of them just went to two shot to get along. Some people got the two shot right when they could because they were all jitty about it. And those people have got three shot and some four shot now. And there's there's a group of people who will keep getting the boost as soon as they're ready, as soon as they can, as soon as somebody will let them. They'll get another one. But for the people who are just going along, just to be left alone, like you saw Jordan Peterson talking about it, you know. I reckon he's like, I just got it so I'd be left alone. But that didn't really work out, did it? No. Nope. No, it's like we were saying from day one, like, I I love that joke that I've seen in the past couple of weeks flying around a lot, where it's like, what do anti-vaxxers and uh, pro-vaxxers have in common? Neither of them will ever be fully vaccinated. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's a never-ending cycle. It's true. It's not about getting immunization from a virus. It's about... Getting product in your body. It's about compliance, and it's about participation in this pharmaceutical industry conveyor belt that you're rolling down and as a as a participant in society you're just rolling down this meat wheel yeah i like that picture meat wheel the grinder the body's just like going in a meat grinder and being grinded out Ugh. anyway let's go behind the curtain well fuck 
or on that you. no I, d I do want to say I'm really proud of my great grandma who's still alive and she told me on the phone today you know she's been getting phone calls like so when can we schedule you for your booster she got the two jabs and she just goes no I'm fully vaccinated I'm done like I'm not getting it <laughs> I said stop saying that on the phone they're gonna send someone to your house little old defenseless lady I said just hang up on them you know but yeah, I'm proud of her be, for saying uh, no. And she goes, no, no. They said two was fully vaxxed and that's what I did. Now I'm done. Good yeah, for gonna, you. They're going to keep coming. Though. Even that's... though I, I begged her not to get them in the first place. But yeah, what can you do? What can you do, man? Nothing. Just, you know, do what you think is best for yourself and uh, let everyone else decide what's best for them. I guess, you know, freedom, ultimate freedom. Oh, I saw that uh, the latest iteration of the National Defense Authorization Act did not include the banking reform language for the cannabis industry. Surprise, surprise. You know, as per Chucky Schumer's wishes. So, that's gonna, you know, go through the chambers and potentially land on the dusty man's desk without the marijuana banking reform. Mm. Even though it would have helped but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we can't we can't budge on this one. No, no, no. We can't we're... give the cannabis industry any leeway, any help. They can't take your credit cards, your debit cards. They got to be cash only. Well, yeah. So when know. we want to raid them, we well, the feds just go in there and collect. It's like old Chucky said, you know, that was just to help the banks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Fucking banks. <laughs> And he's like not, he's not down with helping the banks. He's for the little guy. Well, you know, I'm just saying the dispensaries need to start taking crypto. Fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. You know, if Fed's come in to raid the place, they can take the cash in the safe. They can take the whole safe, but they probably won't be able to get your crypto. Mm. So. They can't take your Bitcoin, that's for sure. Sorry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin specific. Eh. The DEA has once again asked for an increase in the quota for legal production of psilocybin, MDMA, and DMT for 2022 research. Uh, they originally only requested 30 grams of psilocybin. They now want 8,000 grams. Mm. Do the math. That's a 26,567% increase. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. I am really high. That's a lot of mushrooms, man. Yeah, I just... I want to know, like, what earworm got to who, where they're like, we need to really look at psilocybin. You know, let's do it. And now, now. are they talking Now's about, the time. like, the pure extracted psilocybin powder? That's a great question. I do not know the answer to it. Because, like, there's 30 grams of mushrooms, and then there's 30 grams of psilocybin. I would think they're talking about the extracted straight psilocybin, it's not 30 of, grams uh, of mushrooms. It's a lot of drugs, man. <laughs> it is, it is. Legally grown or legally uh, developed, yeah. whatever. As long as it's legal. that's Legal the for thee and not for me. That's really the important part. <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah, the MDMA uh, started with 3,200 grams, up 5,000 grams to 8,200. And DMT, they uh, started off with a 250-gram request, up to 3,000 grams. So. Mm. so maybe they're going to punch out some good research this year. 2022 we'll see what's new yeah i don't expect much though <laughs> i know like... and then it's also you think about the quality too quality like with the 
you know, University of Mississippi weed that they're growing. And then they're like, well, that's just basically ditch weed. It's nothing like what people are buying at dispensaries. Are they going to mess it up with these two? You know? I, Who knows? I, it's hard to be optimistic at this point <laughs> yeah. in my life, dude. I, I hate to say that, right? Because I know. I feel like such a... Because I want to have Rump. hope that things get better and like we make progress and strides and you know it we kind of have, you know. But yeah, people are talking about therapeutic use with psychedelics and stuff a lot more than they were five ten years ago. Yeah, and that... now we've got places where psychedelics are decrim, and you know they're doing a lot more studies for veterans and psilocybin specifically, which is cool. It's nice to have that that tool and not only to have it, but to have it seen and understood as the tool it is to rewire your brain or to uh, sort of ease that end of life transition, all yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, it's like... Ease all of life. These <laughs> these were all put here on the earth for a purpose, you know? Right. It's the whole plant medicine, you know, that's all I've... That's what I want to see for everything. Natural medicine. The problem is this thing called Big Pharma, who then will want to patent, you know, naturally occurring substances, for lack of a better term right now behind the curtain, and uh, turn them into shit. Kind of like the Big Pharma patented THC or whatever that synthetic THC is. Mm. Marinol. 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 I just hear snake metal gear. Marinol. Marinol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blech. Gives you a headache. That's not what THC is supposed to do. No, that's a... They messed it up. That's a nasty scheme. <laughs> that's a nasty scheme. <laughs> uh, Colorado's, their appeals court said that a drug dog that's alerting on now legal weed can't create probable cause for a search. Would you look at that? Well, yeah, I mean, duh, It's but... legal. It's a step in the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. Right, yeah, you can't use an, any legal action or activity as probable, probable cause. cause to investigate an illegal one. Yeah, and I would assume weed would be the easiest thing for a drug dog to hit on. Yes. You know, I get, I get it. Dogs have great sniffers, but... Come on, weed is pretty uh, pungent. So, yeah. Hey, officers, you got to have probable cause established before you bring in your drug dog or uh, you're going to lose your evidence. Can't use that in court. And the whole thing gets thrown out. And this all came from a case about meth. Mm. But anyways, yeah, step in the right direction. No doubt. No doubt. Now, we talked a few episodes ago about a case in Maine, which was this whole co-conspiracy between law enforcement agents <laughs> uh, who were under one guy, appeared to be growing medical weed legally, but then would sell it on the black market, right? you know, and uh, out of state, of course. The, um, the emerald market, as we call it? Yes, the emerald market, the emerald right. market. Well, anyway, the where federal it's like, court... It's legal until the point where it isn't. Yeah. It's legal under certain parameters that are very limited. Yeah. Um, but the main federal court granted time for the defense to file motions 
Um, and they have a tentatively scheduled hearing for the second week of January 2022. So, updates to follow. But yeah, I remember reading the uh, Farmington, Maine. It was like a local news story that had the best details on it. And they talked about one guy, like, <laughs> using his, uh, just making phone calls, being like, hey, is this a squad car? And, you know, to the feds. And they're just like, yep, that's a squad car. And he was like, okay, because I, I tried to run the plates and it didn't come up in our database. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, why are you looking at uh, what that car is doing? Who they're following? So all these people are getting wrapped up in this for helping out, helping protect, you know. Plates not in the database. Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. Yeah, imagine that. Like, all the things you potentially could have gotten away with a bit easier as a member of the law enforcement gang. It's kind of wild. Kind of wild. Well, hey, you uh, always hear about the bills that are proposing caps on weed. You know, like THC caps and whatever. So... Uh, this executive director from the Massachusetts Grower Advocacy Council has proposed a bill to regulate alcohol like marijuana. Oh, what and a concept. And finally show people just how absurd this is through this action. Uh, he has proposed a potency limit of 20% ABV, or 40 proof max. Uh, there would be strict limits to on-premises consumption, of course, um, there are enforcements of codes relating to purity and potency, container size, vendor security systems, uh, no screw top bottles. Everything has to be childproof, of course, for the packaging. Hmm. Uh, you know, there's got to be credit and Interpol security checks for all the licensees and employees. No, no branded some... paraphernalia, no advertising. Uh, Oh, and I've heard at least three or four things you've said that don't apply to alcohol. So it's like, if if the whole premise is legalize it like alcohol, you know, there's no childproof containers on alcohol. That's what he's saying. Alcohol needs to have childproof containers. Oh, I he, miss where you Alcohol I see. needs to be regulated like weed I is see. what he's saying. I got you. Yes. I miss that Backwards whole thing. world. We're playing backwards world with this political action. No, I'm with you. And because it's Massachusetts... Uh, there have to be mandatory host community agreements for all alcohol-related businesses. Oh, right. You know, so if you don't want alcohol taxes, in your town, you can just reject it. Yes, they could reject the businesses outright, or uh, you know, the city can ask for fees to pay for more cops to patrol. You know, buy new costumes sure, for their yeah. patrol and whatever else uh, might be incurred fees for the city. You know, so they can add like a three percent tax to any sales being made. I like it. I love it's it. It's pretty clever, man. I think I, it's funny. <laughs> I do. I really enjoyed this story. Uh, obviously, it's a bill. It's not going to go anywhere, but cracked me up, man. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Really jostled my jimmies. It's creative. <laughs> yeah. Makes a good point. Yes, exactly. And it was just the other day where I, <laughs> we were riding in the car somewhere, and I said, oh, shit, what if they... Uh, reverse this instead of doing the tomato model for weed what if they start doing the weed model for tomatoes yeah, and then everything exactly. goes seed to sale like every seed is just tracked you know and then there's only certain i mean it's all right there's already patents on seeds right from monsanto like Many of them, soy yeah. and such uh yeah and it's like if it po- if it pollinates into your crops then they own it or whatever it's just nonsense yeah but i can see it happening because Honk, honk, you know. 
No doubt. Now, I mentioned those host... (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Related, I mentioned those host community agreements in Massachusetts. I have no idea why this was written into the law. And this goes into the whole, it's way easier to just be patient and pass a good law than to repeal parts of a bad law. Mm -hmm. Um, Gloucester, Mass. is now being sued over impact fees from these host community agreements. Um, a dispensary is asking the city to refund nearly $500,000 that they've paid in fees. They hired lawyers at the very beginning to negotiate the host community agreement with the city. And the city would not sign anything uh, that was less than 3% of gross sales plus an additional fee for... Let's see, everything they do, cultivation. They wanted $100,000 annual fee for the cultivation division, $50,000 fee per year for the manufacturing division. Um, They wanted, they demanded charitable contributions, whatever that freaking means. And they also put a provision in there that there's a 5% late fee. And that's not written into the law anywhere that cities can do that. That's, (laughs) it's gross. Um, but the charitable contributions is written into Massachusetts law. Still, just crazy. Um, but as the law goes, these cities, these communities are allowed to gather this money, take this money, collect this money from dispensaries and other weed businesses for five years once they open. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, uh, lawyers- in, in three, they'll pass some legislation to extend the- To extend it, of course. You know it. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. The lawyers or the dispensary asked the city to provide accounting for all of these anticipated expenses that they were looking to reimburse, but the city did not respond. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we had a story recently about another Massachusetts city that's being sued for the same thing, Haverhill, Mass., um, but they had provided, you know, a little anticipated expense report for their fees, which was like police patrol costs, traffic studies they want to do, um, drug treatment programs they wanted to fund. It's just gross. It's uh, it's pay to play written into whole, the law. Yeah, it's a whole boondoggle, a bunch of. That's that's the whole, it should be illegal. That's like the main goal of all of the laws, though, is get money, appropriate money, pass money around. You know, that's, that's all. That's all they really do. Everything else is kind of secondary or kind of like a front of what it's gonna do. You know, oh, this is going to schools. No, <laughs> they're all slush funds, man. Mm-hmm. Just about every bill that's passed, especially new laws where there wasn't a law, or we're gonna create this department of this, or we're gonna. Create this new toll bridge. It's a never-ending fucking black hole of money. Yep. And you're not invited. In fact, nope. you have to put some in. <laughs> you're the, yeah, exactly. It's coming from Correct. everyone else that's you not invited. You have to throw some <laughs> of yours in. You never get to take any out, but you get to throw some of yours in. Well, there was a giant recall in Michigan, and um, the laboratory whose products had been recalled recalled they ended up suing uh the marijuana regulatory authority that you know called for their products to be removed from shelves and destroyed essentially um 
And so the judge made his ruling. He, uh, let's see, denied testing company's request for a preliminary injunction for a recall of products tested by one of its labs, but granted it for the other because they had two labs. So they got half of what they wanted. Weird. Very weird. Um, now the MRA, the Marijuana Regulatory Authority here, said it identified inaccurate or unreliable results for many of the laboratory's products over a three-month period. Uh, and they gave uh, the statistic of 60% of the products they were double-checking were inaccurate or unreliable. It seems like a lot. Yeah, they said uh, they needed to be retested uh, specifically for mold. So I kind of understand recalling products if you think there's a mold issue. Definitely. But the laboratory claims that they were unfairly targeted to drive business to other laboratories. And with how the whole system works and who knows who, who's friends with who, like well, <laughs> they, might, they might be onto something. Maybe, but you, they maybe should that's be able to, true. But they should also be able to back up that everything they're doing correct. is, you know, well documented and tested. You can bitch about being fairly or unfairly targeted, but if it if you're truly getting the results wrong 60% of the time, then it doesn't fucking really matter. No, I definitely agree, but I now, want, I at, wonder at the same if, time, it might be bullshit that they're getting it wrong 60%. Exactly. Of the time. That's what I was going to um, say. I wonder where the 60% comes from and right. if they had to prove that side of the story. I mean, I'm definitely open to the possibility that they're just lying about that. Yeah. I don't know any of the parties test involved. The shit. I didn't <laughs> test it the first or the second time, so I don't know. I don't know. Could, they could both be fucking off by, yep. by 80% for all I know. Yeah. Oh, you know, 69% of statistics are pulled out of assholes, so why would this be any different? <laughs> now, in Minnesota... Uh, the medical program has added edibles in the forms of gummies and chews as new options for patients, and they will be able to purchase them August 1st, 2022, but uh, they have not added any new medical conditions to the qualifying ones, they being uh, the Department of Health. So, we'll see. Uh, this past week, Legal Missouri has kicked off their recreational campaign for 2022. Yeah, smash. That is the new campaign committee name for New Approach Missouri, Mm. who passed medical in 2018. Um, The other group trying to get recreational on the 2022 ballot is Free Access Missouri. Free Access Missouri has ties to the Missouri Cannabis Industry Association, Deep Ties, and I remember them popping up when we were just young activists. Mm. Uh, I remember someone showing up at a meeting where it's like, you know, we uh, the meetings were always the same people. It very rarely was a new person at a normal meeting or a, uh, you know, show. <laughs> wow, back then it was Show Me Cannabis, then New Approach came in, and some politicians started showing up, and then the the Mo CIA spooks, I mean, folks started popping their heads in. And I remember saying to you, like, I find it alarming and ironic that they call themselves the CIA. Right. The Cannabis Industry Association. How slimy, how slimy. They started yeah, showing up. I, just... And then that's when everything went to hell. 
Everything went to whatever. It went to the uh, CIA. It went to the CIA is what happened. Um, but anyways, so they, uh, they being legal Missouri 2022, they want to have an auto expungement of all nonviolent records. And I say good luck with that because we know how uh, governments do when it comes to trying to go through all these documents and expunge things and, you know, working with legacy technology, trying to make things work. Um, and they have created a new category of business license holders, or proposed one, in this initiative petition. Let's see if this sounds familiar. Uh, if you want a business license from this new category, you must have a net worth less than $250,000 or an income below 250% of the federal poverty level for at least three of the previous 10 years, hmm. um, been issued a valid service-connected disability card by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, have been arrested for a nonviolent weed-related crime or be immediately related to such a person, uh, live in a zip code with high poverty unemployment and high weed-related imprisonment rates, or graduated from an unaccredited school in the last five years. I love that last one. Don't they always throw in just like at the end of a big long list of requirements, something just off the wall that's like... Just to get everyone in here. <laughs> that might be a social equity applicant. Or if you worked at the city pool. Yeah, I like the... I still love the... Oh, if you were arrested, you qualify. Or if someone you're related to is arrested. <laughs> This one, at least, is nuclear family. Child, parent, brother, sister. Um, But it's still ridiculous. These are ridiculous qualifications for someone to get a business license. It's true. And now, I will say, to the credit of, uh, what is it, Fa Free Access Missouri, they don't have a licensing cap in theirs. Anyone, you want a business license? You got one. Good. You know? Yeah, that's what and we've said a bunch free of times. Market. Is, yeah, if, if you just make metrics of what qualifies as a good applicant, and if you meet those, then you get it. If you don't meet those, then you don't get it. Right, like this every other shit, license. This cap shit just breeds a bunch of corruption. Because yeah. then you got a cap, then you got a buddy list, then you got to know somebody on the inside, <laughs> then you got to pay to play. All of this different shit crops up. But... That all goes away if you just give everybody who qualifies a license and don't give anyone who doesn't qualify a license. Right. And then it's just sink or swim naturally for the businesses. You know, let the free market decide. Uh, Legal Missouri uh, has a provision in there that says uh, nurse practitioners can issue medical recommendations. That's neat. Um, They talk about home grow. Up to 18 plants, six flowering, six non-flowering, over 14 inches tall, and six clones. But then they define that as plants under 14 inches. But you gotta be registered. You gotta have a registration card if you want to home grow. And I just, uh, just not down with that. That's a no-fly zone for me. Why would you have to do that? I don't need a registration card to grow tomatoes in my backyard. Why do I have to tell you I'm growing weed? Yeah, that's just silly. That's stupid. And it's another place for them to get money from people. There's a fee to get the registration card, you know? I know the medical patients who want to home grow or their caregivers are paying $100 per card. They propose slashing that in half for medical patients, and I'm sure recreational home growers would have to pay the full 100 Um, But it's just dumb. I don't like that at all. 
Uh, they talk about, you know, if you're home growing, plants in weed in excess of three ounces must be locked away, not visible by anyone. And mm. it just starts reminding me of like Massachusetts gun laws. You know, keep your ammo in a locked box. Keep the gun in a locked box. So when you got to use it, you can't. <laughs> you can't. And um, if your weed or plants are visible, even if you're a registered card-carrying home grower, um, there's a penalty of $250 and forfeiture of your stuff. Forfeiture of your weed and probably growing equipment. Public smoking would be a $100 fine. Uh, minors in possession would get slapped with a $100 fine or have to go through four hours of drug education and have their stuff taken, of course. But there is a nice provision in there that protects parents or folks looking to adopt a child from, you know, not being a... They say, you know, testing positive for THC isn't a reason to take away, uh, you know, visiting rights or guardianship, stuff, stuff like that. And I appreciated that. I have not seen that in many bills. So that stood out to me. Um, but there was also a provision in legal Missouri's I said bill again, but in their, you know, initiative um, that does not permit medical patients in jail or correctional facilities to take their medicine. And I don't like that at all. Yeah, that's terrible. You can give them Tylenol. You can give them probably their opiates that they're prescribed, but you can't give them their weed, their medicine. Yeah. No, once again, it's a basic violation of the Equal Protection Clause, which is constantly violated for weed people because they're somehow different. And, of course, to run it all off, it requires seed-to-sale tracking. So, I hate to say it, but, you know, when they start soliciting me at the grocery store for my signature, I'm just, I don't think I'm signing this one. I'm not happy with either of them. Yeah. And, um, so then I saw news that, uh, Representative Shamed Dogan, a good friend, <laughs> he pre-filed his joint resolution, which he does every year, uh, to place a constitutional amendment for recreational on the 2022 ballot. And um, yeah, it's similar to the proposal from last year. 21 plus, you can buy, possess, and grow. No registration card required. It would be a 12% sales tax, and medical would have a 4% tax, which is lower than what they're paying now, I believe. I think it's 6% for medical here. Um, but it completely eliminates and replaces the medical program that Missouri has right now. Um, it also stipulates that the police and state cannot use funds to assist in enforcement of federal prohibition, and it does not allow asset or civil forfeiture for anyone 21 or older. Nice. Um, and then it also says that laid out in plain text in this joint resolution, possession shall in no way impede on a person's legal right to possess a firearm. This is Ooh. very Missouri. I like it. It's a step in the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. You go, Shamed Dogan. I see you. Yeah, man. He's got it figured out. I would I would love to see this gain traction. Yeah. But to bolster this all up, um, there was an op-ed that appeared in the Missouri Independent this week by uh, a pot lifer who was freed. A friend, a uh, very early bud in the bowl <laughs> from the previous life, 
of mm-hmm. bowl after bowl. Jeff Mazansky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to read an excerpt of this because he's feeling the same way about it. He says, uh, now two different ballot initiative campaigns backed by different groups claiming to represent the marijuana industry are competing to again change the Missouri Constitution to legalize recreational marijuana. But both of these proposals have significant flaws. Most significantly, both proposals create limits on personal possession and allow civil and criminal charges, including felonies, for possession of more than twice the possession limits. Coupled with tight restrictions on commercial marijuana licensing, Missouri might continue to see a two-tiered system of justice and economic opportunity, where a privileged wealthy few are allowed to profit from legal marijuana sales, while poor and politically weak Missourians continue to be sanctioned for the proposed crime of possessing too much marijuana. By contrast, there is no other item of legal personal property that Missouri law creates a possession limit for, and I'll point out specifically alcohol, our most dangerous drug, for which there are over 16,000 licenses for on- and off-premise sales registered in our state and no possession limits for individuals. In January, the Missouri General Assembly will reconvene, and only the elected representatives of the people have the ability and the political will to consider these issues and take in input from all stakeholders. It is important that our elected officials consider what path may be best and ultimately fulfill the increasing demand from voters for greater liberty and freedom in our state. And I was like, yeah, you go, Jeff Mazansky, because I was just having those same thoughts reading the two proposed initiatives. I was like, I'm not signing either of these. I'm not happy with them. These are bad laws, in my opinion. I agree. Well, that makes me feel a lot better about it, though, because it's like we mentioned earlier you know sometimes you just feel like a grump like yes like you're slipping into like a purism that nothing's ever going to be good enough right yeah but the problem that keeps pulling me back to reality on this is these aren't big fucking asks it's not like we want the sun and the moon and the stars all packaged up you know like we all we're just asking is to reduce the bad laws on the books please and we can just start there it's a simple move, and then nobody has to make cartels and make deals and have a fucking shady operation going on. You know, everybody wants to just monopolize this little industry because they got the paper that it, you know got signed into law on. It's just ridiculous. You know, I want to be able to go to the bar and smoke a joint outside with my friends who are smoking cigarettes or whatever. I just want it to be treated the same because it's not hurting anyone. Right. You know, like, I feel like you could pile on and on for alcohol prohibition, and I love alcohol, so I'd hate to see that ever happen again. But with weed, it's like, come on, it's all made up stuff that the prohibitionists are throwing out there. And there are prohibitionists, uh, because in Nebraska, the governor, Pete Ricketts, has teamed up with Sam... Pete Rickety Crickets. <laughs> Not Sam. Yeah. Oh, no. Smart approaches to marijuana. A prohibitionist. Who's that guy group. behind the Sam thing? Um, he's God not in it anymore. I can see but his he ha- face. He has a book coming out. I did see that. I don't want to say his name. I don't remember it either. But is that Sabat or is, uh, it, is it somebody else? No, God I think it. it's somebody else. Uh, no, it might be. <laughs> anyway, while you look that up. Yeah, Ricketts and Sam teamed up to make, uh, I think, three separate 30-second anti-weed reefer madness propaganda ads. It's Sabet. Yeah, okay. Kevin Sabet. Kevin, that's right. <laughs> anyway, 
uh, these ads cost the taxpayers $500,000 for 30 seconds oh of God. Pete Rick is telling everyone that weed is bad. He says, um, I didn't clip it, but his ad says, there's no such thing as medical marijuana. It's just marijuana. This isn't medicine. And I'm like, man, how many times do the moms have to bring their children with seizures and like let you see the medicine work they are always in the capitol building they're always lobbying they're always putting their kids in the front row and adults too like you just have to open your eyes and look and pete ricketts is not looking he's not interested in looking either Mm-mm. you know he's the one that said uh weed kills <laughs> it's like no i mean the black market there's some murders you know deaths going on there yeah prohibition uh, is prohibition the thing that kills, kills. yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. So You know it. I know it. Sorry, Everybody Nebraska. Everybody knows it. I know. Sir Omaha told me, oh, we'll be the last one to do anything. And I would. Now I see it. And it makes me so bummed out. I know. Yep. But, you know, karma for all the signature gatherers out there pushing for, you know, the next try for 2022, 2024. Just keep trying. That's all you can do. Um, You know that Nebraska is going to say one topic per initiative so if you gotta collect signatures on three separate things for possession growing and purchasing or however you make it work you gotta just do that stick with it because the people are on the side of let's legalize and move on you know i think so at least Studies show poll after poll would say <laughs> that a majority of Americans are over this shit. Anyway, uh, New York City opened the country's first safe consumption site. No way. Now, yeah, I thought that uh, it would have been West Coast, you know, safe consumption site to do the thing. But well, New York City. And this is for what? Any drug. Anything. Anything. Wow. Go... It's called a, um, I'm sorry, maybe it's not a safe consumption site, but first overdose prevention center. <laughs> but you can take any of your drugs and you can go do them there and there will be medical staff on hand to make sure you don't OD. Um, or if you have other issues, you know, they'll be there to take care of you. It's like uh, daycare for druggies. Nebraska just uh, chirped in on the, uh, the old texter line. Oh, yeah. Weed kills, okay. <laughs> Yeah. From Governor Caillou. <laughs> Caillou, that's right. He's a bald son of a... <laughs> Weed kills, okay? Mm, yeah, yeah. Just, just take my word for it, okay? Ugh, makes you so mad. Now, the, um, the safe consumption sites, it just... I don't know. I'm not against them, but I'm not, like, for them either. Because it just seems so strange. To yeah. be like, we drugs are legal in here. I don't trust it. Yeah, because what are you going to put, you know, on what conditions and who's watching that space? Who's watching? Like, yeah. Why would I go to this safe? Cons- I mean, it's set up by the government, right? Yeah, I would believe, think so. No. <laughs> what are you fucking crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. No, no. That's not a safe. Some people place. are crazy, though. I know. Well, you know. People also are just hard up. Some people need clean some needles. Some people are naive. And I think that's a draw is we have clean needles. Yeah, but you can get clean but needles at needle exchanges. You don't have to go to a fucking the safe, safe consumption. consumption zone. But it might be uh, yeah, maybe easier. Got, like, I don't know. 
pretty big titty nurses there or something. I don't know. Um, Maybe it's great. On their press release, fuck do I know? The health department study declared that the the OPCs, the overdose prevention centers, will save 130 lives a year. Because uh, you know they'll just have a uh, Narcan on deck, so you can go in there and OD as many times as you want, and they'll just revive you. Man, however that just many seems cans it takes. Silly. I'm sorry, but okay. The whole point: if you're having a safe consumption center, you shouldn't have to bring anybody back, right? Because that's the whole point of a safe... Cons- yeah. They like should somebody, test your drugs for you. Somebody's testing the purity. And then dose it somebody's out. Somebody's giving it to you or helping you take the right amount. All of this kind of thing, right? I agree. But that, I don't believe that's how it's going to function. I believe it's just that you walk into this place with security cameras and medical personnel and it's... I picture it kind of like a lobby. Now, I could be totally off. This is just my imagination working with <laughs> what I've read. Um, but I picture like, you know, white tiles, white room, plastic furniture, easy to clean. And you go in there and you just do your drugs. And then if you have a problem, there's like people like babysitting, like wandering around, but like pretending to work, pretending to clean and like organize papers and shit. And then they see you start nodding off and they're like, oh shit. And then they run in with a Narcan and bring you back to life. And that's it. If I were running the place, I would definitely like come in, be like, Hi. How can I help you today? What will you be ingesting? And the person might be like, oh, I'm going to shoot up some heroin. And I would say, would you like to test that in our testing kit to see if there's any fentanyl or other substances mixed in there? Yeah. And then they would say, oh, yes, please. That's why I came here. And then you do it. Or, you know, I'm going to snort some Coke and I want to make sure it doesn't have fentanyl laced in it. Or shit, you know, I'm going to smoke this weed. I want to make sure it doesn't have fentanyl laced in it. <laughs> yeah, I could see I could see clean needles. I I understand the argument. I could see uh, testing services first and foremost, for sure. Um, I guess maybe, I don't know, I, I kind of see more of hospital and EMT as the role of the Narcan thing, you know? But... Uh, I'm picturing people in scrubs, though, that are running the place. You know, The thing like, is, like... I can think of a lot of different services you could probably, for people who are like about to do the drugs, but not like, why are you going to do drugs at this place? In a sterile environment. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Because, and that's the thing, like think of all these different substances walking into a place interacting. If we just like put a person to the name of these drugs, like you got someone on MDMA, you got someone that's about to do some DMT. Someone just smoking pot and maybe they're a first timer. They're like very clueless. Uh, You know, you got your shrooms, your acid trip. You scoop up like 30 people at random from Burning Man and you drop them at the DMV. In this like white (laughs) sterile room. Yeah, the DMV. Exactly. The the DM fucking V. That's how I picture it exactly. No. and th- they better I mean, have tapestries, man, and lasers and like a smoke machine. But they're not they're gonna going have to, to have. And I'm saying they're going to also have to have security <coughs> because people are going to be jumping other people for their drugs. People might be, you know, just going nuts. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know what to expect. Uh, that's my mental image going the, on. The most irritating thing to me is, sure, this harebrained idea and harebrained scheme, I guess, could be tried by like, some private charity or something, you know? Like, somebody's going to be, like, Frank's Flophouse 
safe consumption <laughs> site and it's all just like <laughs> some guy doing around. it or like whatever you know yeah this like a, a hang spot but i don't really want that oh, general funds man just no. like public government operated just not the role man that's not the role it's a more nanny government you know it's more like Oh, you poor citizens don't know how to shoot up it correctly. Seems like Let a me teach you. Recruiting factory for fucking confidential informants to me. Oh, yep, yep. Exactly, you know. They talk about uh, reducing public drug use and syringe litter. <laughs> I mean, all of the things <laughs> that they claim to do that actually help, they could, like. I just have people on the street. Just provide that up. on the side, you know? <laughs> They could have a trash can. <laughs> they could have a box for sharps on the outside yeah. of a building that you just walk by and put, you know what I mean? Like I think you're right. I think it's a... They could have... Narc recruitment station. They could have the needle exchange, which they already do in a lot of places. I just... Man, like to wander into one of those places, you gotta... I think you have to be in such a bad spot mentally to go there in the first place, you know? Yeah. Like you haven't found a bed to put to lay down on or something you know like just use it as a a place to sleep feds only don't know oh boy i don't know i haven't stopped in new york in a long time i haven't been there in a long time and uh now that they have their super jab pass i probably won't even be able to get out of my car so you know they'll just shoot they'll have That's lasers fine. on me they'll say oh get back in your vehicle we it's see that you're not safe. Unclean. Unclean. unclean yeah. <laughs> unclean. And I'll say, why does it still smell like piss here? <laughs> Every time. I don't even roll my windows in. I can smell it through the windows. Ah. Nailed them. Well, exciting news for Kent, Ohio. Uh, their marijuana decriminalization petition has passed after a recount. And it's now nice. heading for the city council. Um... I guess a petitioner counting error left them four signatures shy of the 806 they needed to trigger the referendum. But there was recently an unrelated case in the Ohio Supreme Court, um, Ferreira versus Trumbull Board of Elections, which ruled that inadvertently miscounting the number of signatures on a part petition is no reason to invalidate all the signatures on it. So the organizers were like, hey, that sounds like it could apply here. And it did. And the Portage County Board of Elections examined the petitions and recounted the votes and said, hey, you guys have 815 valid signatures. Nice. Way to go. Now it's up to, uh, you know, the city council to do something with it or uh, the voters. So cool. that, was, that was a good one. That's that is a good. positive story. I'm happy for them. Happy that the Supreme Court didn't say selectively, well, it doesn't work in your case, like in the South Dakota and Nebraska. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, we we know that there's, you know, precedent for this issue, but you're a weed initiative. Like, that's totally different somehow. Can't legalize nothing start with a W. <laughs> Case the Smith. <laughs> Case the Smith. Um... In Austin, Tejas, activists submitted 35,000 signatures to decriminalize, and uh, they just need 20,000 to be validated. And then the city council will take up the measure or put it to the voters. Very cool. Very Austin. But for the rest of Texas, smokable hemp is once again banned. Yeah. Yeah. After district courts decided that the ban on smokable hemp was illegal... 
the Department of State Health Services came back and filed a notice of appeal to the ruling in the Texas Supreme Court. Uh, That happened on December 1st, and that supersedes the final ruling, which means that the ban is back in effect until the Supreme Court rules otherwise. Supersede these nuts. I didn't see any tentative dates for when they'd hear any more on this. So, Mm. it's just so frustrating. (laughs) Texas, come on. Come on. (laughs) Um, Now, Brattleboro, Vermont, had sent out an early uh, red flag. Hey, we suspect that there's fentanyl-laced weed. We had to revive someone who smoked weed using Narcan. Watch out, watch out. Um, A journalist on muckrock.com did send in in an FOIA requesting any relevant records of police claims of fentanyl-laced marijuana, uh, to which they got a same-day reply of, okay, I'll look into that for you. And then three days later, a reply from the uh, records clerk, hey, we don't have any records that fit that match. Mm. Huh interesting because you put out this whole presser and said you had to revive someone and all this shit well now there's a story that with the help of federal agents the brattleboro vermont police have made arrests for suspected fentanyl laced marijuana three arrests in fact magic number three after a narcotics-based search warrant was served last token tuesday as of course has to happen on tuesday um, they found what they describe as several containers of what they believe is laced weed, and it has been sent to a lab to be analyzed. So, uh, the people, these three arrests that happened have been, uh, their charges, possession of fentanyl, doesn't say anything about the weed, and, uh, they were all released. So, uh, their court date is January 4th. Um, now, I didn't verify. They gave names and ages. I didn't look into these people at all. You know, are they real? Do they have face bags? Probably. Um, so I'll have to do my due diligence on that. Um, but the story here is that this whole campaign was launched November 20th when they responded to an overdose for a person who only smoked weed, but they did a field test on the weed. And it tested positive for fentanyl. Oh, Now, man. I have never heard of a weed field test that can detect other substances. Or like, like, is this a drop it in the bag and put some blue liquid on it? And if it turns purple, it's fentanyl? Or, you yeah. know, I don't know. I don't know how you would field test Is it like a one line, one line, two line type for thing? For fentanyl, like a pregnancy test. Yeah. You just drop it in the bin and You have some... to just pee and then hold the nug in your stream. <laughs> And if the pee comes out with the, the two pee, lines, yeah. you know it's got fentanyl in it. Right. Um, and, of course, I had mentioned in a previous bowl after bowl that similar stories have come out of Connecticut where they were claiming there were like 20-plus weed-laced overdoses going on. Um, but, of course, those numbers came from like 2018 forward. So trying to smash it into a uh, state of emergency that I'm not convinced exists. No. But anyways, it's to be continued, as always. And boy, am I glad that tonight we get to continue the merry metal moments. Well, from I don't know before you say that. Uh, oh. I wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. Hasn't uh so so the metal moment hasn't uploaded yet. Oh no. And uh, I've got two texts out to the rev, and I haven't heard from them. So we hope the rev's all right. 
we were emailing earlier today, uh, and he did. He was like, "Hey, you cool keeping the same file sharing drive that we use? Because I, I have like two drives, um, and they're both like the cloud server. You know, I use a Google Drive and I use a OneDrive most frequently, um, just because it's easy and I have those two things. Sure. Um, I know people like hate a lot of different services, but you know, at a certain point, you're fucked anyway. So, anyway." Yeah. I just told him, you know, I don't see any reason to change because he'd already been using Google Drive with me. But yeah, uh, there's no middle moment as of right meow, so. Well, we'll keep our eyes on it. Yes. And also sending out karma to the Rev. Karma to the Rev. Road karma. Maybe you're, Road uh, karma. Maybe you're just without uploadability. But uh, we might be able to make up the metal moment for a phone boy tomorrow, too. On Pulls of Buds. <gasps> yes. It doesn't come in, so. Absolutely. No worries, no stress about it. It's the bowl. We're it's behind the, the curtain. You know, we roll with the punches. Uh, the Motu can crash and we could just lose the stream. <laughs> yeah, that if, happens sometimes. If you're maybe. listening uh, to this in the future, you probably won't even know where it happened. But uh, but it did. But if you're part of the live rowdy bunch in the bowl, which you can always find by going to bowlafterbowl.com, click on listen live. You can find a little IRC chat and uh, biggity bam. Biggity bam. Well... We do have a first time I ever topic this week. Yes, as we indeed. do every other week. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. The first time I ever blacked out and forgot about blacking out. Or didn't remember blacking out. Right. Yeah, it's um Do we have any bowlers that have remembered the uh hearing about that? I'm sure that we do. Uh let's check in with the phone line. Uh let me double triple check though and magic make sure that uh Emoji is read correctly. Uh, yes. You always gotta make, make sure, sure the sounds are coming out of the right holes. <laughs> when I was the tender age of 17, uh, I don't even think I graduated high school yet at this point, but we were doing a reenactment at the Guilford Courthouse National Park in Greensboro, North Carolina. It was a living history event, so, you know, there wasn't, like, uh, any sort of proper battle reenactment that we were doing. It was more so just set up a camp and kind of demonstrate what life at the time would have been like and so on and so forth. And uh, this is a time when, you know, you kind of you're at odds with your parents and whatnot. And um, I don't know, I'm one of those sorts of people where I can take, you know, I'm just keep taking it, keep taking it, keep taking it, but eventually it's just going to, you know, I run out of room to shove stuff into and pack it away, and it just bubbles forth with uh, quite a, um, there's a good word here, like a a stupendous display of uh, ignorance. But this particular time... Uh, my parents, for whatever reason, just thought I was getting wasted at these reenactments, and you know, I never, never drank or anything, never, you know, never messed around with any of it. But finally, you know, I got asked or slightly accused for the last time, and I was like, you know what? I think I will go get wasted tonight. And uh, <laughs> one of the older gentlemen who was of age had like a $50 bottle of brandy. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, I was like, oh, can I get a little bit of that? Oh, can I get a little more of that? 
And then next thing, I, I mean, sorry, I'm repeating myself, but I end up with the bottle in hand, just drinking straight from it, just straight Damn. brandy. Oh man! <laughs> uh, don't really remember what happened. I like remember kind of like hanging out by the fire, wasted. Woke up to Mama Barry poking her head into the tent. She's like, "Oh man, get the fuck up!" Uh oh. And I was like, "Whoop, uh oh!" I even doxed myself. That's how bad it was. And uh, <laughs> somebody ended up losing their dinner all over the bathroom floor at the National oh. Park Center and didn't bother to clean it up. Give you three guesses who it was. Uh-oh. In the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's a pretty cool scene to have your first blackout at, though. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. Oh, man. Sounds like a beautiful time. Freaked him out so hard he doxed himself. Well, you know, that happens. <laughs> yeah, we're behind the curtains. Not the first time I've heard you say that on a podcast, just saying. Or maybe. Your your dad said it a couple of times. I'm pretty sure you left him in, but maybe you took him out. I don't remember. I don't remember. But we'll put like a hula-la over it or something in post. How about that? If it makes you feel better. <laughs> Boobs blew it, said Lesh. <laughs> <laughs> just put the oh man right there. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll put the all man over it. Yeah. Okay. We got you. Um, Put this next all man in this next caller. Oh, first time I ever blacked out. Didn't remember what happened. Yeah. Well, we're in old Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I've heard only and, good things. Uh, What's going on? We've a lot of, a lot of, a lot of drinking, made some punch. With every type of liquor we had, which was at least six different bottles, into this punch, it was good punch. And we all drank too much of it. I drank so much that I fell, I went upstairs and passed out. And about an hour later, had a bunch of cold water dumped on me. And I was like, fuck. Now I'm awake now. So I got up and I kept drinking. This, you know, this was five years ago at least. But, yeah, I kept drinking. And, uh, kept drinking. And started feeling a little sick. Uh-oh. And I went to the bathroom, and well, thank God locked the door. And the bathroom was like in in the not it was just in the downstairs area, you know. So I I'm shit faced, like oh god. I mean I I uh, <laughs> I'm just spewing out my spewing out my ass, and then I realized I have to puke. But I'm so drunk, I'm like oh shit. Well, I guess I can try to puke into the toilet so i kind of get up a little bit and try to puke into the toilet while i'm still sitting on the toilet and just fill my pants with puke i mean oh, no. fill them with puke. <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time right at that moment i guess uh knocks on the door <laughs> right when i just finished puking into my pants and knocks on the door and, and i also there's like shit kind of on the toilet do lid. you know how bad I, you I sound shitting while i was puking so it kind of got on the toilet seat <laughs> she knocks on the door and she goes you okay in there? I go, yeah. And then I just blacked out and fell asleep, sat on the toilet for a while. Wow. Um, then. Yeah. Then. And I then. What happened then? And then. Yeah, I don't know, because I blacked <laughs> out. But uh, I don't really remember how I got out of that situation. And uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So, and the most recent time I blacked out, I woke up in a dress, which was kind of rapey. 
Uh-oh. Woke up, well, yeah. Woke up with none of my actual clothes on. I woke up in dress. That was at my bachelor party. Or the night of my bachelor party. And all my friends did all the coke. And I uh. woke up and one of them was shirtless at 8 in the morning mowing my lawn on the riding mower. Nice. That's not bad. That's a good way to end it. Yeah, that was a good ending. <laughs> riding on a riding mower. Very manly way to end it. But yeah, man, you gotta you gotta keep conscious, man. Yeah. And the cocaine would have helped. What the the boys did all the, sure. the boys did all the cocaine. That's not okay, man. Oh, at your bachelor party? Yeah, man. For shame. Yeah. For shame on your friends. The heck, man. I have your boys helping you out, staying like somewhat composed. See, the first time that I ever blacked out was and I, I tried to rack my brain around this for the last week, trying to remember, trying to remember. <laughs> yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was the only time I've ever blacked out. Where it was a full blackout. And, and blackout, what I take to mean, and I think what most people mean by it, is there's a point where your conscience or your awareness or your memory or maybe all three just turns off and you got nothing after that and maybe you're still at the bar maybe you closed out your tab maybe you fucking drove home maybe somebody drove you home maybe you partied for four more hours but at a certain point you just don't remember not know the rest of it and that has never happened to me on alcohol just just alcohol alone i mean i've been pretty hammered on occasion don't get me wrong but just not i guess all the way there but once I drank on Xanax, and that—that that is blackout, uh, blackout country right there. Isn't Xanax kind of like a blackout? It yeah, you can just bar out and uh, kind of lose awareness or consciousness or whatever it is. I don't know. I have no experience. Oh, only way I've only done a couple of times ever, both in like way back in high school, and. Uh, just say it's kind of almost like a fucking autopilot of sorts that you put yourself on mm. when you're like barred out. That's kind of what it means is you're just like there for the ride and I don't know. Your thoughts like, are turned off? Yeah. Pretty much you're like not thinking, not uh, you're just acting <sighs> and I don't know, you can talk to people, but you don't remember much of it. It's like an autopilot, man. Mm. It's like an autopilot. When I was working at Pizza Hut at the time, right? And uh, things kind of got rowdy sometimes at Pizza Hut. There was one certain manager um, who went a little crazy on Sundays. And we'd have Beowulf Sunday. Beowulf. And we would, he had this little television that he put up on the top of the line where you make the pizzas. And we would play, I'm pretty sure the DVD... Uh, yeah, it was just like a little DVD player built in TV. And then we'd play the the new animated Beowulf with Angelina Jolie in it. Um, over and over and over again. I say new. It's like, you know, this is 12, 15 years ago, something like that. But anyway, we would watch Beowulf over and over and over again and drink. And that was kind of like the Beowulf Sunday routine. Right? Wow. There usually be only one driver. Sundays were like extra laid back because everybody's at church and at brunches and sh- like nobody was ordering Pizza Hut. 
until the evening. So the morning Sunday shift was just a fucking snoozer. And, you know, one driver would take out deliveries sometimes, but not often. Well, one kid got all pissed and jealous that we did fucking Beowulf Sundays, you know. I never Uh talked about the shit or did it, you know. People just find out about this kind of shit. I don't know how. Um, The security cam footage. I don't even know. Just kidding. (laughs) But this kid who closes Saturdays just fucking left everything all fucked up. And all the dishes were still dirty and the whole line was all fucked up. And none of the food was tempted and put away. So it all had to be thrown out. He just fucking like walked out at the end of the shift and didn't close properly to fuck us the next day when we walked in. And my manager was all pissed off, slamming shit, throwing shit, Mm. going fucking nuts. And I was just like, you know, and he was like yelling at me too. Like I had something to fucking do with it. You know, I'm like, dude, we're in this together, bro. (laughs) Like we're both in this fucked up situation that neither of us did. It was dickhead last night. Uh, so after he, like, he went back in the back and sat in the freezer, which is sometimes what he did when he just got all hot-headed. <laughs> so he sat in the freezer for, like, 10 to 12 minutes. And then when he came out, he would just, like, said sorry. He was just, like, sorry, and put a little Zanny bar on the line and turned on Beowulf. And we just started, like, cleaning the place up. Um, drank some vodka, and I had that Zanny bar. And then, I don't know. Autopilot, lots of, lots of pizzas made. People started showing up because then Sunday evening, you know, there's football and things start like actually turning on. But that's by the evening shift showing up. That was like the time my shifts ended on Sundays, typically, like around six or something, you know, six or six or seven. Well, it's like seven forty-five, and somebody's like, "What are you still doing here?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't fuck, I don't know. I was just working." And they're like, "Your shift ended." <laughs> Uh, an hour and 15 minutes ago, you're supposed to clock out. <laughs> so I clocked out. And that's the last thing I remember was punching out at the computer at Pizza Hut. Huh. And I went out to my car and I drove straight home. And like, wasn't even doing any drinking. I On Beowulf Sundays, I never even really got like hammered, you know, drunk. I just got a yeah, buzz. buzz. It was just like sipping on vodka during the day while you're doing some mundane job. It wasn't like, I was getting shit-faced every Sunday. And I wasn't shit-faced this time. It was just whatever that Xanax was that combined with just enough of, you know, like three drinks or something I had. Hmm. Totally out. Drove home. Had dinner with my family. Don't, don't know. Don't know if they, like, notice anything or didn't because nothing was said. Went up to my bed, went to sleep, woke up the next day. But for me, it was like the experience was... I typed in my sign-out password in the computer to clock out and then woke up in my bed like a minute later is what it felt like. Well, yeah, that's a blackout. Total blackout, man. Total blackout. But it only has happened to me on, uh, on the Zannies when I was quite young. I was quite young. Yeah. But uh, I remember remember nothing about it. That was like one of the key points where I was like, holy shit. Like, how much? I'd even not worked on some of my homework. Wow, that's very unlike you. I know. That's fucking weird, right? Your body was just looking for things to do. I think so. It's like, well, my brain is off, and uh, they told me to be a good boy and do this paper (laughs) for tomorrow, so I guess I will do that. Crazy. So weird. So weird. Almost as weird as this next color. 
Hey, I'm pretty sure I'm blacking out right now. Whoa, look at him. Uh, He's a go-getter. And I uh, forgot all about it. Muzzle hat out? Is that? Uh, I think I'm racist. Uh, no, seriously. First <laughs> time I ever blacked out and forgot about it. I still don't remember what the fuck happened. A night of drinking. I was, I don't know how young I was. Let me think. This was 05, 06, somewhere around in there. Maybe sooner than that? Hell, I don't know. <laughs> I blacked out. Um, <laughs> it's hard to keep track. Night drinking with a bunch of people at this party house. And, uh, I mean, I was fucking drunk. And then a buddy's like, hey, man, uh, you want to try some methadone? Sure. And I was of that age where, hell, I didn't, you know, hadn't tried it. Thought I would. Just to see if I liked it or not. Truth of the matter is, I don't know if I liked it or not. <laughs> I don't remember shit after that kicked in. I remember sitting on the couch and uh, feeling a little queasy after it kicked in. And then I don't remember anything except the next day waking up and feeling like absolute fucking bovine butthole oh nuts and uh never again so listen kids don't do methadone just because a big company made it doesn't mean it's good for you that's that yes but how are you guys doing are you doing good pretty good doing well great doing good so good pretty um, good yeah Love your fucking show. Love you guys. Love all you bowlers. Well, we and, love uh, you too, Fletchy. Yeah, I mean, that's all I wanted to say, except for... <laughs> <laughs> See, another mix. Oh. Alcohol with methadone. Yep. I think it's that mix thing that just... Mm. Now, it mixes quite well with cocaine. You can cocaine. kind of do the opposite of blacking out. You can white in with a little bit of cocaine and then you're back at you know yeah it's a vitamin for drinking (laughs) you can drink more that's correct Uh, well if cocaine is a vitamin for drinking this next color a vitamin for thinking alright I forgot what the first time I ever was but I'm pretty (laughs) sure it was something I haven't done um, but what I did do today <laughs> is uh, I recorded a podcast with Phoenix. All right. We actually did it right before Bowl After Bowl, and it got released. Uh, the Our post-show, such as it was, and unfortunately we're not streaming or anything yet. We'll do all that soon enough. Um, but, um, but yeah, go to lotuspodcast.net, and, uh, yeah, you can go listen to the first episode that we did. Um, uh, cool. It's a, it's a show about uh, spirituality and ascending to a higher plane, and, and I um, – I personally want to thank uh, you guys for uh, uh, the, the bowl for uh, well I don't know actually actually that's 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 where I met Phoenix number one but um, you know the, certainly the, the the love and the energy that you guys um, you know you guys have you guys 
them are put out there, right? I mean, it's certainly infectious and we kind of want to do the, you know, we're, we're doing a bit of that ourselves, I guess. And so this is, uh, you know, this is a, a start of a conversation. It was, a, uh, we decided it would make a good podcast. And so here it is. Uh, uh, podcast is now available. Yeah, I realize I'm using my voicemail to, uh, to promote something, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I guess I'm also going to be in Bolsa's bed. I'll probably talk a little bit more about it tomorrow. We hope uh, so. Because I'll, I'll yeah. have more than three minutes to talk because, yeah, that's, uh, we are planning to, uh, to do Bolsa's bed. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little bit jingled out. That's why I didn't uh, start when finish with jingles, but I've been, uh, we've been talking for a bit. Uh, but I want to get this in before the, before the show starts. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's all I've got to say. Uh, in the bowl. Y'all. In the bowl, phone boy. In the bowl, That's cool, boy. man. Thank you. Yes, Lotus Podcast. I'm putting it in the show notes. Yeah, Lotus Very Pod, excited. LotusPodcast.net will get you there. And uh, Chad even got the tags right. The Lotus Podcast with Phoenix and Phone Boy. There you go. Yeah, Chad. Fantastic. Good work, Chad. Very cool. That's awesome. It makes me so happy when the bowlers come together and do other things. And- yeah, that's sweet, Fun boy in Phoenix, man! I'm really looking forward to that. Very cool. Very cool. Very legal. And very excited for bowls with buds tomorrow. Yeah, I expect to hear more. We'll do. I'll, we'll do our. Uh, this is a teaser. We'll do our research on it. But yes. yeah, that's definitely right. <laughs> definitely right. Thank you, phone boy. Thank you, phone boy. Um, and thank you, next caller, for calling in. On the topic. Hey, bowlers. Hey. Uh, so I don't necessarily have a blackout story, but. Um, I, uh, I went to a punk rock show, uh, I think I was 17 or 18, give or take, and, uh, uh, it was fun, the Beer Zone and a couple other bands, it's kind of hard to remember now, (laughs) (laughs) um, so, uh, I was wearing a hooded sweatshirt, and I would not with the hood on, but uh then uh it was getting really hot in there. I didn't eat much that day, I wasn't hydrated, and I was smoking cigarettes because we could smoke in there. Um and then I go to the bouncer, I'm like, I need to go outside to cool off. And they had a policy that they recently uh, that at the time they just recently started where you couldn't leave once you're in oh. and once you leave because they think that you're going to go out to your car and drink or something sure do drugs and then uh so i'm talking to the bouncer i'm like hey i gotta go outside i gotta cool off let me put my sweatshirt in the car like and like we're arguing and then all of a sudden before i know it i'm like having this dream that i'm in the mosh pit with everybody uh having a good time and everything and then all of a sudden I'm sitting on a chair waking up and I, I, I it took me a while to realize this but I couldn't see I was blind whoa and uh uh guys the the bouncer's like oh you got you got blood on your head and, and I was wiping it off thinking that it was like sweat or something but I couldn't see it I oh, put my shit. hand in front of my face and I'm like I can't see. <laughs> so, um, damn. And then, uh, eventually they uh, had an ambulance come pick me up and I passed out in the ambulance. Um, and then, uh, eventually I woke up in the hospital with my dad sitting there and, uh, 
it wasn't even in my hometown. So yeah, that's that's my my blackout story. Thank you. Well, thank you. Wow, Car. I'm glad you're all right. Yeah, no doubt. That's a scary one. No doubt. <laughs> Woo! Give me the heebie-jeebies. That imagery, man. yeah. Yeah, but no, that's that's necessarily a blackout oh, story. Yeah, I would say de- yeah. definitely counts. Oh my he, gosh! He started out by saying it might might not have been a blackout story, but uh, you couldn't see. That counts. Man. Definitely blacked out. Yeah, it was the first time you ever blacked out and remembered nothing about it, the first time you ever blacked out. <laughs> the first time I ever blacked out and remember nothing about blacking out, I <laughs> must have been around seven or eight. Oh shit. Um. And don't no preconceived notions here is not what you think it no, is. No, I already. So, um, I already I went know it's different. With my great grandma, she was getting her flu shot, <laughs> <laughs> and I've already mentioned in tonight's show that I hate needles. So uh, she went to her like primary care physician to get it. So they took her into a little room, a little office with you know the table that you can hop up on, whatever. But she's old, so they sat her in a chair in the corner of the room, just like one of those little office chairs they have in there. And the nurse went out, and she's like, I got to go get the stuff, you know. And there's such a ritual to injections. Yep. And so uh, she came back, and she had the little pushy cart. Yeah. And I started feeling it, the fear in, like, the ritual. And I started thinking to myself, what if... They poke me. What if she comes for me with the needle? What if this is all a ploy? They're setting me up to get the flu shot. I don't want to get a shot. I'm not mentally prepared to get a shot. Like, I have to go into some prep and calming. But instead of doing, like, deep breathing and preparing for it, I just started psyching myself up. And so... (laughs) The doctor put the nurse, she puts on the rubber gloves and then she tears open the rubbing, you know, the alcohol swab, right? right? And that smell hits me and I just like start really not feeling good. And I'm looking at my Nana and I'm like, can I leave? Can I leave? She goes, just turn around. Okay. So she's like, don't look, just turn around. And I but I can see it in my mind's eye. I turn around, my back is towards my Nana and the lady's rubbing her arm to poke her and whatever. And I'm just really thinking about it. And next thing I know, that nurse is holding me saying, wake up, wake up. Oh, geez. And I psyched myself out so bad yep. that I passed out and fell into the trash can in the corner of the room. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, I'm very small. Yeah. So I just fit right in. It was one of those little paper trash cans where everyone put their, you know, sniffly nose tissues and <laughs> shit. Probably gross rubber gloves. And all the trash is just on the floor because I just went down and hit that trash can and uh, went right into it. And so, you know, the nurse picked me up. And, yeah, my Nana's never let that go. She always brings that up. That's like a real funny moment for her. Yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> She's like, I told you to turn around. You just hit that trash can. And the lady was just about to give her the poke. So, like, she had to finish what she was doing. So I laid there for a good minute in the trash. I wouldn't even believe it myself except for I've seen you do it. You've seen me do it. That's not the first time. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to alcohol. When I was around, I caught you before you hit the floor. And I'm very thankful for that because that was a cement floor or a tile floor. We were in a hospital and that happened, visiting a friend. And this one was like, you know, the office with the rubber um, carpet kind of floor. Yeah. A bit more forgiving. 
gotcha. a straight tile. The one you bounce off of and it's okay, kind of. Yeah, and I was young enough to bounce still. Sure. Yeah, you know, I remember I was really young. And that just made me, it really changed my perspective on life, like fainting or passing out where you're just not conscious at all. And I remember like, first my audio started going. Like I could smell yep. the alcohol, but my audio started like going, like uh you know when your ears are ringing and all the sounds faded out and then my vision started fading out like tunnel vision so mm-hmm. it was like sound then vision and then waking up like what the fuck happened um just my overactive imagination really i don't believe i've ever truly blacked out in alcohol in that same sense where it's like i don't remember anything um, because I can see Im- the nights where I'm like, wow, I was way too drunk that night. I can yeah. see images and I can remember parts Just of it. pieces of it. So yeah, pieces. You're like kind of in and out of in it. In and out, but never like the next day, what the hell happened last night? You right, know? right. Nothing like that. But you know, laying in the trash can. No, I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> well, that's probably a good moment to forget. Yes, I would say so. We would never forget this next caller. Oh, I've had a long day and I'm laying in bed listening to you guys. Oh, nice. It's actually quite pleasant. Good. Yay. Um. Anyways, uh, the first time I ever remember blacking out, uh, I was with a group of friends in a uh, haggy sack circle. Yeah, it's very uh, righteous. Very hippie-ish. <laughs> and we were uh, passing around a joint. As you do. Uh and I held it in entirely too long, uh, <laughs> and then got that feeling of oh no, you know, blacking out, and uh, and I went down like uh, down to the ground and sat Indian style, like instantly, and then like put my head like almost in my lap. Everybody was like, "What the hell is he doing?" <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> when somebody realized it, like everybody's laughing. Anyway, it wasn't until years later that a friend that was there with me and we were playing uh, uh, Tenken, Tenken and the, like, uh, samurai robot guy, when he does, uh, when he went, when sometimes he goes and does that, where he goes and sits Indian style right now. Oh, the yeah. Yeah, Tekken. the uh, arena. Yeah. So uh, the, the one friend that was there, he's like, oh, my God, that's what you did that day when you passed out playing hacky sack. <laughs> uh, whenever we would play that game, he'd always say that it was me uh, sitting down Indian style in the middle of the uh, like a boss. arena and tanking. Uh, that was me blacking out. So. In the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. Mm. That's a stylish way to black out. No I'm doubt, jealous. <laughs> Taking that win, going down crisscross applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> That's the lame PC way they used to tell us to say Indian style. The old smoking weed pass out. My buddy smoked weed a couple times passing out, but we smoked it out of aluminum can, and he mm. always was like, that That aluminum did uh. something to me. He'll still say, like, he hasn't felt the same since. Oh, I don't well, like we were imagining just, that. We were just dumb and cheap and new, you know? We didn't know what we were doing. Some fucking meth head at the grocery store we worked with was like, oh, yeah, you cut up a can like this. And he did it in like six seconds, you know. And then we fucking smoked out a can a lot. It was convenient oh. and safe for us because, well, A, uh, at the Country Mart, you could get the store brand can out of the, you know, what do you call it? Vending, Vending machine. machine. Yeah. Uh, which was out in the parking lot. It was like on the sidewalk outside. All right. And the store brand was only a quarter. 
So you pop a quarter in, you drink a soda pop, and then you got a fucking pipe at the end, and then you can crunch it after you're done and throw it in the trash, you know? Like, most of us were just rolling around and couldn't bring anything home, and, you know, hard enough just to keep the bag hidden, let alone the fucking stinky-ass pipe. But all the produce available to you. Yeah, we were just uh, we were just unaware of, like, apples and better stuff to use, you know? Stupid us, but... I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. Ooh, we, I'm ooh, glad we, your buddies are right Net has, uh, Net, Net has a follow up. I totally misunderstood the question. Oh, uh, the first time that ever happened to me, I, I had to be younger than that because I I remember it was uh, we used to have uh, Long Island iced tea in a bottle. It was like a liqueur. Uh, I don't even think it was really like a pre mix kind of thing. It was just uh-huh. like a liqueur that tasted like Long Island iced tea, and then we mixed it with uh, uh, Fago Rock and Rye Soda, uh, me and a buddy. And I don't remember walking home, because uh, I walked home. We drank it behind a party store when we were quite young, got someone to buy for us. I know yeah. we were in high school by then. But uh, I remember getting uh, – we – Passed out at the elementary school across the street from my house. I uh, woke up there. I <laughs> have no idea how I got there. And then I walked home, and uh, I was getting kind of, like, nauseous all the way home. And uh, I walked home. I know my I know my mom wasn't home. That was back. She had her catering business, so she was out uh, late. I know my dad was home, but my dad was probably a little bit inebriated, passed out or something. <laughs> uh, walked all the way down the hallway, passed, passed the bathroom to my sister's door, knocked on her door and told her, I think I'm going to get sick and projectile vomited the uh, no. rock and rye that's red and the oh, uh, no. uh, uh, Long Island uh, iced tea liqueur all over the... Uh, all over the the uh, wall and under the floor. Oh, and shit. My sister was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. And then uh, she'll still make fun of me to this day about, like, because I was trying to help clean it up, but I was doing, like, a shitty, like, job, like, just, like, dabbing in one spot over and over. <laughs> and then finally got to the point where she's like, she's got a fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You're no but, help. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if she told my mom or my parents or anything about that happening. So, yeah, that was, it was bad, dude. In the bowl. Terrible stuff. In the bowl. Terrible. In the bowl, Ned Ned. Well, that makes me curious what, what you thought the question was. With the whole weed cross-legged thing. Did you not remember what was, what was, was that not a blackout? I think they both counted. Yeah. As blackouts. We I got think so. Double first time I was from Ned Ned. Double first. One with weed, one with drinks. Double wobble. Double wobble. Double wobble this next color. Bowlers. Happy Tuesday. Hey, happy hey. Tuesday. Glad to be here in the bowl. Circus Media. Talking about the first time I ever blacked out. Yes. You know, the first time is actually the only time I've ever blacked out. Um, Like Sir Spencer said, alcohol and I get along pretty well. Yeah. Pretty well. Um, Had some crazy times, but the only time I ever blacked out was in college. <laughs> that you know of. I think it was a football game, so we started drinking around like uh, 10 kegs and eggs. Okay. Uh, we played some uh, lawn darts, 
beer style beer darts, I guess we called it. Mm-hmm. We're throwing darts at each other's feet with a, trying to hit each other's beer can. Um, that's a fun one. The more drunk you get, things get a little risky. No doubt. Uh, I think we went house hopping all over town. Next thing I knew, it was like six o'clock at night. We were at my buddy's house. There's a big old group of us. And of course, you know, naturally it's a good idea. Let's all go downtown. Yeah. Been drinking all day. Perfect. It's a good idea. Um, but we went. We caught the bus downtown, we went bar hopping, had a great time. Might have been the night I ended up dancing on the bar. Um, no, that's a different story. Story for a different time. <laughs> um, see, I think it was probably uh, about an hour before bar closed. I decided I was done and I was getting out of there, had enough. I'm just going to walk home. It's like a 10 minute walk from downtown to my house, not too bad. Um, and I remember getting about two thirds away there. And then the next thing I know, I've turned around 180 degrees. It's a slight downhill. So I was walking slightly uphill to my house. And the next thing I know, I'm walking downhill. And Main Street is only three or four blocks away from me. I can see the lights again. So I just lost all my progress. I have no idea how much time has elapsed. Um, so I called my buddy. He's at Pita Pit. Um, it's just after bar closed now. Uh, it's bar, uh, bar Rush out at the late night restaurants. So I meet up with him. He's going to go do something else. And so I walk my butt back up the hill again. And this time I didn't block out. Um, I, I remember the whole trip home. I, I got home, got into my house. It's time to impress myself with how functional I am uh, in a very drunken state. But yeah. That was the one time I blacked out. Very brief period. And I'm the one who realized it. Nobody told me. So, yeah, interesting times. But That's wild. hope you all have a good night. Good rest of the show. In the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. It'd be wild to like black out and then unblack out and you're just like out and you're like, oh, fuck, what just happened the last three hours? <laughs> now I'm back from outer space. Last hour. Oh my God. Crazy. Nothing had clarified in the bowl. Uh, he remembered the first blackout and the second one, he didn't recall what happened. Because uh, that was part of the F tie. First time I ever black out, blacked out and forgot I blacked out. Oh, sure, sure. So now I feel like my story doesn't count. Well, no. No, I mean, no, no. Now we're splitting hairs. <laughs> we're splitting hairs. The part where you black out is the part you remember nothing about that part that you blacked out. That was yeah. the prompt. Yeah. From the start to the end of the blackout is the only required forgetting part. That's all. Technicalities, yeah. technicalities. It's all technical, <laughs> man. What are we like, doing for Jesus, the... you had a story, the... and that means you win. You won the game. <laughs> Game. What, what are we what, doing for next week's first next time I ever? That's what, you know, C-Dub's in the chat. Tonight suggested first time you ever saw a Boostagram. Yeah, I like that. I like that one, too. Uh, especially because I can't find my... Your list of first times? Big-ass list. It's one of these goddamn pads, man. I got a pile of pads, but... Uh, a pile of pads? Not the right pads, dude. They're all the wrong pads. Oh. What can I do? What can I say? Oh, wait, what's this? Come up with one. There's another like one. Like the statistics. This is the one. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Pad five, it right baby. Out of your pad five. I should have looked at pad five first. Pad it's five a, first. It's always well, the last can, one you look at. I can cross out the blacked out one, which was way up top of the list. That feels Yeah, good. we were sitting on that one for a while. Feels good. Feels good. Um, What were you saying? First time I ever saw a Saw a Yeah. And uh, you want me to go through a few that we 
sitting on it's up to you you want just i just want to go with that one i like it all right plus we'll be i'll be working on uh helipad stuff this week and i think uh by what i've been told here in the chat by c dubs uh i do believe i'll get that working this week i figured out i do believe figured out the missing piece the missing the missing component probably i have to try it to confirm but i expect to be running that shit Run that shit tomorrow. So yes. All right. Next time. Uh, first time I ever. And hey, what the hell? Why not change it? Right here on the fly. First time I ever saw Booster oh, Green. You're on top of it. What do you think about that? Cool. Sounds good. What do you think about that? And uh, also. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Yes, it is that time. Let's go bowling. I don't know if you saw this story this week, um, but we made some jokes that reminded me of this story this week. An Italian dentist is facing possible criminal charges after trying to get a COVID-1984 jab in a silicone arm. Oh, yeah, that's fucking awesome. He tried it. He bought a fake arm. It didn't work. Yeah, not not working kind of sucks, but... uh, Yeah. Still, it's the effort. It's the idea. It's the effort. It's the try. I love the concept. And hey, a guy's trying this, so you get the news story about a guy trying it, so you know people are like- More guys will try it. More guys will try it. People will get better at it and improve the product. You also publicly are acknowledging there's a lot of people trying not to fucking actually take this thing. Um, and you don't know how many guys have actually uh, made it happen, you know? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to the AP story, the nurse could tell something was off right away because the skin felt- cold and gummy and (laughs) the color didn't match his skin tone of his face and she says initially she thought that the man was an amputee who just accidentally offered her the wrong arm uh, until she lifted his shirt up further and saw that it was just a fake arm dang yeah busted and um yeah i guess that this past monday italy started requiring what the ap refers to as a super health pass to enter restaurants theaters, anything you can imagine, from what I understand. Super. So he had already been suspended from working as a dentist uh, because he was unvaccinated. And the nurse said he was courteous and left after the failed attempt. Uh, But she thought about it and decided, you know, it was fraud. So she ended up turning his paperwork over to her superiors and they reported the case. And that's That's why he's in legal hot water now. That's super crazy, yeah. man. In my opinion, I wouldn't fault the guy for trying. I would just think it's silly. I'd be like, oh, that was silly. But, you know, she's bought in on the narrative. She's just doing her job. It's just wild that you've got to go to these links. Like, it's almost like you're coerced into the fraud, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. You get backed up into a corner. He just that... wants to work or mm-hmm. live. Yeah. Yeah. Harv Hat in the chat says, they would have just went along with it and said nothing. Well, the and that's true how heroes. Everyone argues about who the heroes are. That like, it's not the grocery store clerk. Okay, the true hero is that nurse in Germany who shot like four thousand people with saline. Yes. Like you're welcome. You'll thank me later. Yes. Good God, man. It's too bad. Like that she got caught, man. But again, the story gets out there, and then it inspires others. Perhaps, maybe, hopefully. hopefully, you know, I don't know. So. 100% chance of not getting hurt by not taking it. That's right. But bam. Yeah, I like those odds. 
I would be afraid that like they find the fake arm and then like her eyes go all crazy and then she just stabs it, stabs you with it, you know, like in your other arm or something. Yeah, that's kind of where I like. Oh, I had shit. imagined it going when she started being the narrative a, voice in the article. If you got like to f- all of a sudden fight a bitch off of you with like a loaded needle. Yeah, and then they call the security nurses, which are like the big buff guys in Scrubs, oh, fuck and they just dude. hold you down, and they're like, no, no sir, you no, signed up for no, this. No, 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 And next thing you know, you're laying on a table with a hot tin box and rats inside of it on your stomach. I don't know. Sometimes I see things going that way. But here's a weird story. Um, A 16-point deer was harvested in Missouri, and it turned out to be a doe. I heard about this, man. I saw the picture. I was like, wow, what a beautiful set of antlers there. It's also calls for a... Yes, the statistic they shared is that one in 10,000 does are born with antlers, which seemed kind of like a low number to me. I was like, I'd never heard of this before. Yeah, well... But I'm also not very, like... Very rare. Checking them. You know, I'm not checking the genitals of every antler deer I see go by, which isn't that many. <laughs> I see a lot of dough in our neighborhood and the little babies. Uh, not many bucks. Yeah, one in 10,000 is uh, big time. Yeah. Big time, little time. But, you know, she's a lady with antlers. What can I say? <laughs> it's a rare occurrence, okay? Uh, it definitely happens. It definitely happens. It's yeah. just very rare. So we'll call rare. it what it is. Very rare occurrence. Very rare. <laughs> Especially to get all up to 16 or, I mean, 16 point animals are rare on both sides too yeah so this was missouri magic yeah missouri magic well in massachusetts a man bought a drawing from an estate sale for 30 dollars and turns out could be worth 50 million buckaroonies whoa yeah that's the estate sale find of a lifetime this guy had an eye for art um and he saw it was signed ad like a german renaissance artist by the name of albrecht durer i'm probably saying that last name terrible but it's d-u-r-e-r durer um anyway he bought it and he thought well if it's not authentic it's a really good print um and it's a picture of a woman holding a baby and the baby's holding a flower it's very cute so he um tried to bring it to you know, experts, for lack of a better term, who could authenticate it, um, but no one would look at it. He bought this in 2017. Just recently, he found a collector in Boston who was able to hook him up with a paper restorer who confirmed that the material the drawing is on was from the 1500s. And so from there, he was able to get a hold of the curator's at the Albertina Museum in Vienna and uh, sent it over there and they authenticated it and declared it genuine. So uh, the thought is that it was drawn in 1503 as a preliminary study for the famous watercolor, The Virgin with a Multitude of Animals, which was finished three years later. So very cool. And uh, he looked into the story of the estate where he bought it and it seems that an architect living outside of Boston inherited it from their grandfather who purchased the drawing in Paris in 1919, thinking it would be a family heirloom. Hmm. 
This always bums me out. It's like fur coats, you know? Yeah. Some women back in the day paid some good money for a beautiful fur coat and were like, this is a family heirloom. Every woman in the family is going to wear this nice, warm fur coat. And then freaking PETA propaganda comes in and is like, burn the fur. Get rid of your fur. That's not cool. You can't wear real fur. Then you see freaking mink and all sorts of things showing up at uh, thrift stores, a.k.a. where dead people's stuff goes. Yep. It's just crazy. I'm like, well, you got to hold on to this. This is an heirloom. What are you doing? Craziness. It's wild. Yeah. $50 million, though, if he can sell it. Uh, I know it's going to be on display at that Vienna Museum for a while. So, But he's getting some uh, fees from them. Cool. And they're also, if it's ever sold, they're going to get some kickback for authenticating it. So... Man, yeah. I don't like fees, though. Works both ways. Yeah. You know, that's why we like streaming sets, doing some value splits and whatnot. Now, in 2013, a French climber found a bunch of, like, a whole cache of emeralds and sapphires on a mountain and uh, decided to alert the authorities to find the owner, you know, try and do a good deed, get it back to whoever the owner was. Yeah. But you can probably already sense it by telling the you know local council or whatever hey i found all these gemstones always a mistake it's a mistake it's a mistake and um turns out the stones had been transported on an air india boeing 707 that crashed on the mountain in 1966 Whoa. so the owners are dead and gone and now the local council will be keeping half of the gemstones and letting the climber take half. But the total was estimated to be worth $168,000. So, I mean, they're still walking away with $84,000 worth of stones, yeah. emeralds, and sapphires. That's pretty cool. And the other half is going to be on display for the public at a museum. That's how they always get you. You know, you find a treasure and they're like, don't you want to share it with the world? That belongs in a museum. That belongs in a museum, yeah. Mm. Mm. You've probably seen commercials where you can mail in your poop and get it tested for whatever you need to test it for. You know, you like put your poop in a box. Yes. Well, it finally came in handy for uh, some scientists in Israel who have been analyzing mail-in stool samples and found a link between early risers and the patterns of gut bacteria. Oh, neat. Yeah. Uh, this study has made the clearest correlation between gut bacteria and sleep patterns. Um, and it might be the first step towards developing dietary interventions to help people who can't get up in the morning get up when their alarm goes off the first time. So their next step in this research is to figure out if the microbiome differences come from the sleep patterns or if the sleep patterns come from the gut bacteria. Hmm. That sounds like a shitty job. Yeah. They were talking about, it, to me, diet is everything. Or it's a very, it's your foundation, I would say, for well-being. And they talk about a correlation between um, nocturnal folks eating more fatty foods and early risers having more high fiber diets. Mm -hmm. I can see it. I can see it. But what do I know? I, I don't know anything. So I'm just reading the studies after studies. <laughs> who, which, who pays for this? You know, big poop. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there. God damn it, you got <laughs> me, bro. Big poop is real. 
Uh, you know what else uh, is real? God damn you, big poop. Moby Dick. <laughs> Moby, I'm not joking. A Dutch merchant ship off the coast of Jamaica captured the real Moby Dick on video. A white, all white sperm whale swimming in the Caribbean. Damn. Yeah. Now I There's another one just for good measure. It's beautiful. I, I'm my only disappointment is that you just see like the spout of the whale, you know, and you're like, Yep, that's definitely white on the top of the head, but like I'd like to see the whole body just to know for sure that it's not a birthmark. Just a white patch birthmark. You yeah. Know? But either way <laughs> Roll uh, the beast over. They had some quotes from some sperm whale uh that you know, they said they were sperm whale experts, which I didn't know that was a job, but okay. <laughs> and they said they had seen... Are um, you regretting your college path? <laughs> yeah. Oh, now? Are you joking me? I got there and was like, this was a mistake. <laughs> I liked writing, and I got conned into journalism school. That's not writing. That's being a mouthpiece for assholes. Anyway. Or an ass piece for mouth holes. Yeah, more likely. More likely. Um, So these sperm whale experts were talking about how they've seen whales who have white bellies but they're gray and black all over everywhere else. They'd never seen anything like this. So, yeah, the real Moby Dick. He's out there having a glorious time. He's got a big brain, too. That's not all that's big on those sperm whales. <laughs> but anyway. Another big thing was detected in the ocean. A giant phantom jellyfish that eats with mouth arms. Yeah. That was a big thing. It's a big thing. It was uh, spotted off the California coast, 3,200 feet below the surface of Monterey Bay. Very close to 3,300 feet, but didn't quite make it. Um, But it is fun to point out that its arms, they're like these scarves that kind of float around behind it and then like snatch prey into its mouth. Mm. Um, But those arms can grow more than 33 feet. The article made sure to say that. And the head of the jellyfish, like the bell-shaped thing that the arms come out of, right? that's three and a half, no, 3.3 feet wide. Excuse me. Magic number abound on this creature. So uh, this is one of only nine times that the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute scientists have spotted the elusive giant phantom jellyfish across their thousands of submarine dives. And... This creature was first collected in 1899, only to be encountered by scientists a hundred times since then. It's pretty freaky. That is Uh, freaky. It's it's pretty much all black, and then its head lights up orange whenever it moves. It's like the head pulses this light, and it moves forward. Because, you know, jellyfish don't have brains. and Must be fucking nice. (laughs) A life of blacking out. Like, the whole life is just blacked out. The body was there, and there's... I don't know. They don't know it's nice. I think I've met a few jellyfish over the years. Oh, yeah. Well, this will confirm it, because if you try to capture them with a net, they'll disintegrate into a gelatinous goo in the net when you try to scoop them up. They just fall apart. So they haven't, you know, been able to capture one to study it in other... uh, places which i think is fine it's a deep sea creature you know leave it there it's got to be in the dark it's got to be in the high pressure environment just leave it alone it's cool 
So, oh, we gotta know yeah. all the shit about all the shit, man. I think that sending a submarine down there and taking the videos that are in this article are cool enough, man. Yeah. Here, I'll post the article in the in the bowl so everyone can see this thing. I could watch it all day. I wish that the videos were longer. Um, it's just kind of like some thirty second clips of it. It's it looks like some sort of wraith, like the the scarf arm mouth things. They're just like they remind me of like Damn. Ring Race from Lord of the Rings or something. Just creepy, creepy, uh, banshee looking hooded creatures almost under the water. It reminds me of them shits in uh, Zelda where like you try to hit them and they fucking zap the shit out of you or something. I can see that. It kind of looks like one of those things. Well, there's a new suicide machine in Switzerland, um, oh. and there's no legal issues with it. It's been passed. It's going to start making an appearance on the street, I guess. And Damn, it, suicide booth like straight out of Futurama. Yeah, and but easier because this one you just have to blink. What the fuck are you talking about? Ah, it's called the Sacro Machine, S-A-C-R-O, um, a coffin-shaped capsule that allows occupants to kill themselves by blinking. Now, I don't remember the doctor's real name, but his nickname is Dr. Death. He was specifically thinking of a certain type of patient when he created this uh, pod, for lack of better terms. Oh and that's um, a man he had a, as a patient or a friend, I'm not sure, who suffered from locked-in syndrome um, after having a stroke. And that is a neurological disorder where it's just all your voluntary muscles are paralyzed except for the ones that control your eye movement. Damn. Um, and so as you can imagine, that's a pretty terrible existence. So he was thinking of that guy when he created this of you can just get in the machine, which how would you how do you get in the machine? You know, you gotta yeah, have right. someone put you, you in there, have I guess. Somebody kill so you. already it's very complicated. Yeah. Uh you get put in the machine and then you blink and that's it. Uh it reduces the oxygen inside of the pod to a below critical level. So you die pretty quickly. Um but yeah, I mean it sounds I, pretty lame, just a suffocation booth. I mean it sounds fast. And like what are your other options? You can drink uh some mixture that like puts you into a coma and hopefully you don't wake up from that. You can, right? That's what they do in Oregon, I think, or at least in that documentary. Yeah. Um, how to, is it how to die in Oregon? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how that lady went at the end. Uh, you could do some sort of injection, I guess, like a lethal injection. Uh, you can jump off a building. You can, or like roll off a building if you're in a wheelchair, I guess. Or like, uh, I'm trying to think of ways where you're not hurting other people. Like, going into traffic is a bad idea. You could sit in a car in the garage and turn it on if it's, like, not an electric vehicle. You know, they're trying to... <laughs> Eventually, you, that won't be an they're option. They're taking our own suicide booth. And you kind of... You have time to get out of that one. So, if you change your mind, you're like, this really sucks. You can get up before the carbon monoxide gets to you. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ways you could kill yourself. You stab yourself in the heart. I no. just think like suffocating is taking too long. Or like they say it's instantaneous. It's supposed to just be like bullshit. You're done. Bullshit. It takes you like six minutes to die without oxygen or something. Does it not? What if it just like crushes your uh your lungs? Just get crushed. I don't know. 
I don't know, man. Sounds like uh, I don't know. sounds like uh, but hey, some, 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 this is some, some. this is over in Switzerland. So you just gotta worry if you go visit there. You see a pod in <laughs> the street. Don't blink at the vending machines. No, no, no. Buddy <laughs> boy says, "Hey, why don't you take a lay? Just lay down in that pod. Take your mind off of it, and then it shuts." And like, do not blink. Say the magic words. Say whatever you gotta do. But if you blink, you're finished. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I, I mean, I don't imagine it'll. Uh, just be on the streets, but hey, it's Switzerland. I've never been there. I don't know what it's like. Maybe euthanasia is all the rage, you know? Let's do it. I'm done. I'm done with reality. Put me in the suicide booth. Don't know, but it's a crazy story and like crazy technology. I didn't imagine. So, yeah. Another piece of crazy technology is uh, like DNA plastics. Have you heard of this? No, I sure have not. Well. Chinese researchers have been playing around with DNA plastics to try and replace our, you know, non-eco-friendly plastic that we're surrounded by. And they decided that uh, salmon sperm actually creates a really good DNA plastic. Uh, They made a bunch of different things with it, uh, like mugs and spoons and plates. Um, And what they did was they took the salmon sperm, they mixed it with some chemicals, undisclosed chemicals, from (laughs) vegetable oil to create a gel-like substance that can then be put into a mold and freeze-dried. And they call that process aqua-welding, according to this article in the show notes. Um, but I was like, okay, so how does it break down? Well, there's a special enzyme that can digest the DNA to break it down, or you can dunk it in water and it turns into a gel. So I thought, how the hell are you supposed to contain liquids in this? You can't. If uh, if dunking it in water is going to turn it back into a gel, then, like, what's soda? What's tea? What's water that I want to put in my cup? What is the point of salmon jizz plastic? <laughs> yeah, that seems like uh, it doesn't really solve the problem it sets out to solve. No. Because the whole reason you use you plastic could... is because it's everything brewed. Well, at least making a mug out of it. But a plate, I mean, sure, you can put your bagel on it can or whatever. You, you can put, yeah, as long as it's not fully submerged in water. Okay, okay. You know, but I'm just saying for liquids, like we're still, yeah, this is not going to work. Even if you put a little uh, ranch sauce on the side there. Oh, that could be risky. And Start, you don't want it gooping into your ranch. Yeah, you don't want to like be dipping it into like, some jizz. jizzifying, yeah, kind of weird. Oh, this ranch, it's a bit salty. No. Not how I want my ranch. And uh, this is also not how I want my ranch. Burning down in an attempt to smoke out snakes. That really happened to a Maryland homeowner. I guess they had a snake infestation uh, in their cellar or something. So they decided to smoke the snakes out with coals. And, uh, well, there was some combustible material down there. That the coals were way too close to. Oh, no. So the house caught on fire, burnt all the way down, causing a million dollars in damages. <laughs> 75 firefighters were called to put out this blaze. Holy shit. And, uh, you know, it was ruled an accident and no one was hurt, so that's good news. But the snake status is undetermined. They're still in there, man. They're like giggling. They slithered away when it got hot, and then they came right back, and they were like, ah, warm and toasty. It's winter, and this is just great. No, I don't know. Maybe they burnt to a crisp. No. Not, you don't think so? 
Nah, not no the way. intelligent snake. These snakes will never burn, dude. The snakes will never burn. Oh, that's all I got. That's all the lame things. The snakes were lame. I'm sick of your fucking smoke. Yeah, they really like, were. Damn snakes. Tell us how you really feel, man. They had to get some fresh air. Well, that uh, motherfucker burnt. No doubt, no doubt. Well, hey, thanks, bowlers, for hanging out for another wonderful, lovely Tuesday night show. And uh, please consider joining us tomorrow night where we will have be talking to Phone Boy. What time is that again? 9 p.m. Central. 9 p.m. Central. 10 p.m. Eastern. And that's what, 7, uh, 7 p.m. West Coast? That's right. So we'll see you there. The only thing that'll be burning is uh, bowls and joints. Bowls and joints, joints and bowls, baby. (laughs) Well, until then, I will be Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. And I'll be Dame DeLorean. And until next time, may your bowls burn ever brighter. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. Do not tell me you've come here looking for pot. I'm Aaron. That's a dumb place to keep bowls. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. They have some of the most soothing voices I've ever heard. Clothing is optional, but pot is not.